You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 257 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the PTUK studios this week, as always, is my co-host Matt Smith. Well, hello everybody. How are we? Good, good. I had a lovely tea again, cooked Did by you? Mama Smith. Yes, yes, absolutely. There is no, there's nobody better at uh, churning out the fine goods uh, than, than Mama Smith. It was lovely. Pork chops and sausages. Right, yes, indeed. Absolutely. Which Alfie was giving me rude looks at Death all the way stairs. through the meal. No, no yeah, doubt, yes, with indeed. With the sausages. So, indeed. Uh, but how are you, Matt? Good? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had, a, had a, a fantastic weekend last weekend mm. down in... Uh, um, down in where was I again? Somebody remind me. <laughs> Not Nottingham. Birmingham. I keep saying Birmingham. Nottingham. Yeah, well, it was more Derby. Really. More Derby. I suppose the, okay. near, the nearest town actually was, was Derby, and uh, I actually did a little bit of plane spotting. You did. Yes. There we go. Now, ironically, the, the, uh, so I shot a little bit of video. Uh, it's not very exciting, so I won't play all of it. Um, uh, of course, unbeknownst Ooh, to me at the time, I know indeed, a little cheeky Jet 2 coming in. Um, unbeknownst to me, actually, uh, and I didn't get my camera up and running soon enough, but probably one of the last ever Fly VMI coming into the airport, which I mm. just missed. Which is a real shame. So uh, yeah, absolutely. There's there's a few bits. Of, there's uh, two or three Ryanair come in, I think. Uh, as I say, Jet Two, and then there was um, that one. What is that one? That's a uh, is that Jet Two Sunwing. as well? Uh, uh, a Sunwing, I think. A Sunwing. Oh okay. Well, yeah. I don't know what that yeah. Is. It's very colourful. Whatever it was. Yeah. They're on. Uh, I think they're on loan. I think they're a Canadian carrier. They're on oh, loan they? to um, someone in this country. I think. Uh, okay. I think yeah. yeah. So, so that's more or less what I got up to last weekend. As as oh, like, oh here, here, comes, here comes a Ryanair. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as so, uh, what about you, Carlos? What did you get up to? Oh, last week. Well, this week. What have I done this week? Not a lot, really, actually. Right. No, uh, no change. I have. There, I have <laughs> a uh, have a gig tomorrow night. So I, I was busy. Oh. Busy uh, frantically cleaning the TriStar van this afternoon because it looked mm. like it, uh, I'd driven through a ditch backwards. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, my van was not white. It was right. like a shade okay. of brown. And uh, anybody who has been lucky enough or unlucky, depending on how you look at it, to see the TriStar van, it's normally kept very pristine Clean. and Chinese. I know. So, yeah. It's not like Absolutely. me at all. But it looks lovely now. Good. good and uh, I have a um, a birthday party to do tomorrow night, do you? which I'm looking what forward a treat. to. Because there's lots of people there I know. Uh, now, now, on the subject of birthday parties, uh, obviously, We've got the legend that is Sir Neville of Bounds, and of course, uh, we were talking at the beginning of the show. Actually, it's a certain aunt, auntie, aunt, well, Mrs. Bounds' uh, birthday, I believe. Yes, Nev. It is. Yes, tomorrow, tomorrow. is her birthday, so we're popping down the uh, the pub for a bit of nosh and drink. I know how to show my well, quite right. Time, I can tell Good you. man. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, and uh, no, it's been a bit of a busy week here. Uh, lots of work stuff going on, uh, lots of video editing going on for Ooh. my company. Oh. I seem to have volunteered to do various bits and pieces. So <laughs> well my, my poor Mac has been melting flat yes. out all week. Yeah. So, um, but no, it's it's been good actually. And isn't the weather so nice? I know it's not 
people what people like uh, Liz and Co would yes. like to hear because uh, Canada again is really going through mm. it. But we're very fortunate here to see temperatures of sixteen and seventeen degrees. Oh, it's been crazy, isn't it? Uh, and we've got another probably three or four days of it. I think. Yeah, so, I think so. Well, it's supposed to be pretty good towards the end really? of next week as well, isn't it? It's supposed to be pretty good. Nev, yeah. do you think we're going to dodge the winter weather this year that we had last year? I think we've just fast forwarded right over it, so yep. there'll be no yep. snow whatsoever. Straight straight into <clears> spring, <throat> essentially. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So but John, while we're talking about we're, uh, cold weather, of course, uh, yes, somebody is uh, joining us from his penthouse suite oh, again this week. <laughs> it's uh, someone who is in a bit of a, a cooler place mm. in Europe. And, uh, and welcome. also, everybody be really nice to him because he's not very well. I know. Right? So welcome <laughs> on to the show again. It's our awesome other co-host of the show, Armando. Hey, guys. I always have a... Good way to make me laugh. It's it's more of a refurbished attic than it is a penthouse suite, but I'll take it. Yeah, quite right. Absolutely, take take whatever it is. Now, now, uh, of course, uh, what is the temperatures where where you are, Armando? I mean, it, it's a little bit cooler than than it is here. Yeah, it is a little bit cooler. Uh, I'm I'm sure you can hear it, but I'm a little bit under the weather, probably just from the extreme changes of temperature <laughs> yeah. between the, the Swiss Alps and the the lowlands of uh, southern Germany. So. Uh, yeah, I may be a little bit quiet tonight. But it's safe to say, uh, Armando, that you had uh, a rather interesting experience uh, whilst you've been there, haven't you? Yeah, uh, we're going to hear about it a little bit later. I tried to do my best with some video and doing a segment, but uh, did some skiing one day, and then I was trying to get over to the Pilatus factory, and it just didn't pan out. But what did uh, pan out was actually... Awesome. Probably one of the best experiences in the air for me. But what did... Sorry, that was me. Sorry, I was pressing too many buttons there. I'm so sorry. Honestly, no. <laughs> Can't get the staff. Yeah, it's safe to say, guys yeah. and girls, for those of you watching uh, the YouTube uh, video uh, feed, that later on the show we're going to play a little segment that uh, Armando did while he was flying in the Swiss Alps. And mm -hmm. uh, me, Matt and Nev have had uh, a good look at the video. Yeah. And it is fantastic. It is. I, can't, so, I can't wait to share it with everyone. I know, we're going to play really that good, yeah. uh, a bit later on. So make sure you stay tuned to, uh, to see that video. So mm -hmm. date time check it is. Is the twenty second of February? Twenty second of February, guys. I know. Don't do you, you do realize this time next week it will actually be the first of March already? That's <gasps> mental. I know. It's scary, Stanley. isn't it? How, it's, uh, how is that possible? Just coming up to six minutes past seven on the Friday evening, and uh, we've got loads of the usual family members in the chat room joining us this evening. Uh, a few names in there to mention: Liz Piper. Hello, Liz. Uh, Philip Davis, we've got in there this week. Uh, we've got Neil Lanwarn. Hello, good evening to you, Neil. Graham Haley, uh, Chris Griggs is joining us uh, this evening. Uh, we've also I'm just scrolling up. Masha, hello to you, Masha, oh, in the chat room. Jenny in Rome. Hopefully, oh. the weather is. Uh, is, uh, is uh, nice I dare in say Rome. she won't be here for long, though. It must be near dinner time. Dinner time, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We've got John Picard. Hello to you, John. Mm. Uh, is it, any relation to Jean Luc? It, used every week, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. We've also got the uh, the absolute legend that is Rick Bell in oh. the chat room. He's here for a short little stay because okay. uh, he's driving into work uh, to go into a sim this mm. afternoon. So good luck with that, uh, Rick. Uh, Mr. Trick, or as we know, uh, Tricker, Mr. Paul Tricker is in the chat room as mm. well this week. Uh, Neville Barnes is glad he's in the, join, in the chat room this week. He's our blue spanner of, uh, of 
death. So oh, well, okay. well done to you. Yeah, Robert. I don't like the word the word blue and, and death. <laughs> frankly, if you could blue refrain stand. from that, I don't want a blue <laughs> screen or anything. Thank you. Keep moving. And <laughs> uh, we've also got someone who's just popped up in the chat room. Swiss aviation test. Oh, uh, Swiss aviation test. Est. Ooh. There we go. In the chat room. Excellent. Hello. Hello to you. Greetings and, uh, all. Greetings. Anyway, yeah, nice full, it's safe to say, a nice full, full chat, chat room this yeah, evening. So what we've got coming up in tonight's show. So we've got all the usual commercial news coming up, all the latest news from across the globe. Uh, we've also got uh, a special segment, as I said a moment ago, from Armando with his video flying through the Alps, which you've so got to stay to watch. It's so good. Uh, we've got some military news as chosen by Armando again this week. We've got some great stories from Armando. And uh, we've also got, um, um, well, we should, we're going to have a little video, look at the video mm. that you took as well, I think, um, a bit longer. No, we, we, no we, we've, we've done you it. You don't want to play again? No. Oh, it's, quite, quite it's really not that interesting. That. It's just planes coming into land and taking I off. I mean, you know, that. it's fair enough while I'm talking about what I did last weekend. But before uh, we start the commercial news segment, uh, as you all know, we had our Christmas competition and uh, we had some uh, great prizes that we gave away, and obviously uh, we all, you know we obviously know who won the top prize. Our lovely Jenny. She ah, won yes, the book. yes, yes, yes. Um, but we also had a couple of DVD box sets, which were won by two lucky winners. And the first one uh, that won the War in the Air Daily Mail uh, was Stephen Taylor. Now Stephen sent us in a picture. There we go. For those of you watching, there's uh, Stephen with his uh, War in the Air DVDs, and uh, Stephen. How so cool a job has he works got? So for the, the legend ambulance. Yeah, we need to talk to we you, We need Stephen. to get, get Stephen, Stephen on the show, show. immediately. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Stephen, expect an email soon. Yes. And also, we had another Run away, box Stephen. Set. Run away. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we had the air crash investigation, or air, air crash disasters box set, which uh, Matt was a bit reluctant to give away as a prize. <laughs> yeah, right. Because uh, he wanted to see those. But uh, right. David Kavanagh won those. Yeah. So, uh, well done to you, David. And he also he, sent us the picture. You he did. He also screen. said in the email that he sent us, actually, because he was looking, because apparently he's got an Airbus hat. So, he was hoping to sort of complete <laughs> the ensemble with an Airbus hat and, and his Boeing T-shirt, which I think would have uh, kept everybody happy that way. But anyway, it's certainly Boeing T-shirt. That'll keep Captain that was Nick good. happy, won't it? I like yeah, that. Absolutely. I like that. So, yeah, yeah. congratulations uh, relations again to you two guys for that. I know. What's, what's in your coffee? It's that coffee yeah. that you've done me earlier. <laughs> okay. Oh, so that was, uh, that was nice. Nice to get some pictures of the... Uh, that was, yes. Again. Thank you very yeah, much for sending those nice, in, people. Nice. Yeah. So thanks for that. So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am. And if you're ready, Nev. Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> Armando. <laughs> Let's do it. Go, let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one is on the independent.co.uk. And we're used to hearing stories on the show where um, UK airports struggle with sometimes seeing the right passports or noticing errors in passports. Snow, but, usually, but anyway. I know. <laughs> but this one, the headline, airline that flew British man home on his friend's passport. Oh. Insists safety <laughs> was never compromised. So the Dutch airline KLM insists the safety of passengers and crew has never been compromised after it flew a British man, oh, had to be, with someone else's passport Brilliant. from Prague via Amsterdam to Newcastle. 
Alan Poole in inadvertently made the journey with a passport belonging to his friend Steve Vincent. The documents were mixed up when they were checking into their accommodation. Mr Poole went through the airport checks with his friends, passport control, the first leaving Prague, then the front, uh, then a frontier and boarding gate check-in at Amsterdam Airport and finally UK Border Force staff at Newcastle Airport. A KLM spokesperson told the Independent in Prague that two passengers accidentally exchanged their passports. One of them flew from Prague to Newcastle via Amsterdam without it being noticed at the various airports that he was travelling on someone else's passport. KLM works with competent authorities to ensure that aircraft and passengers and crew are safe during the flight. Although this is an undesirable but exceptional situation, the passenger went through all the security checks and the safety of passengers and crew was never compromised. The Dutch airline was criticised by Mr Vincent who had to stay on for an extra day to obtain with considerable hassle and expense an emergency passport. When the stranded passenger finally landed back to Britain on Wednesday, he tweeted that he'd made it back to Blighty no thanks at all to KLM who caused the problem. KLM's terms state that the carriage service is only provided to the passengers named on the ticket. The carrier reserves a right to check the identity documents of the passengers. Passengers must therefore be able to provide the carrier with proof of their identity. Now, I'm sorry, uh, the, the only issue, the, well, there's several issues I have with this particular story here, but uh, it's said in, the, 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 in, in there that, that, like, um, that, I mean... It's not really KLM's fault that uh, how you know how did his friend end up with his passport? <laughs> Never mind. I, I, I mean, you say. have a responsibility <laughs> to look after your own passport. Is that you know? I mean, uh, if I if I went through Stansted with your passport, Matt. Well, I feel very sorry for you. I'm you know, not lie. Absolutely. I, mean, I obviously don't. Look I, as, if I, I were don't you, I'd be terribly offended. Yeah, whatever. I'd be terribly <laughs> offended. It, you know, if I was Carlos, I'd be terribly offended yeah. that I'm being confused as me because it's like you know, I've put on like six stone. I mean, it's mm. just like you know, go. Away. I mean, Nev, you you have obviously flown through um, the, the the Dutch airports and stuff. Um, what what does the security like uh, for you? Well, it, it's it's pretty straightforward. You um, when you go through the uh, you check in, you show them your boarding pass or your app on your phone, whatever you've got, and then the next thing you do is you go through the passport bit at Schiphol Airport, and um, they look at your boarding pass and they check that the name on the boarding pass matches the one on your passport, and then they check it again before you get on the plane. So when you get to the gate. Uh, normally it's gate 24 if you're going back to London from uh, Schiphol and you go all the way up there and they check the passport against your boarding pass um, so if you think of how many fails there's been here so he's gone mm. um, Newcastle Amsterdam Prague and back only to find that you know he's on the wrong passport so somebody is not checking the stuff properly here and mm. um, so this is just one example and you have to say how many other examples have there been. Yes, I mean, all right, there's, there's no, there is no, as as it says in the story, I mean, clearly there's no major security risk. Both people were, you know, UK nationals. They were welcome to come back to the UK. All right, they had the wrong passport, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, there could very easily be a scenario where these people weren't 
shall we say, you know. Well, it, don't you think it's a, a pass-fail scenario? You know, if, if I go into my bank and say, oh, my name's Matt Smith, I'd like to draw out mm. the last £20,000 <laughs> in my account. You know, pe people are going to want to, you know, well, A, they'll wonder why they've got you've got £20,000 in your account to begin with. But secondly, they will go through a lot of checks to make sure that I'm bona fide and, and the right fella. And and I think that this is in the aviation world, certainly at the security part, because you've got a boarding pass with your name on it and a passport with your name on it. Those two have to match. Mm. That's 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 it. Isn't it? So, I mean, essentially, multiple people have failed here, as you say, because there there's, should have been at least three checks before he was sat down at his seat before. You know, I mean, they should have noticed before he sat down, essentially, that he that he was traveling. You know, the ticket didn't match the. The passport is a bit of a fail. Armando, you look like you've got something to add. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think they are separate fails. I, I kind of expect this, or I would expect this from one of the outstations, but from Amsterdam and Prague, uh, I don't. I'm not sure. So I'm not sure if the border forces are tied to the airline reservations, other than you scanning either your ticket or your mobile boarding pass. But the but boarding the airplane, that's really where it. I feel Warning. like it should have been caught. Yeah. Yeah, and then push back to the airport. Is that you know? I mean, yeah. really, they should have sort of said anyway. I mean, we can go on and on about this, but uh, it, yeah, it was it, a fail. It was a definite yeah, fail. fail. Before we move on to story number two, obviously, which is always a Ryanair story, uh, Lee was saying apparently that that plane we were talking about with the livery, the, the livery we couldn't identify. Apparently, it was Jet Two Holiday livery. Oh, right, okay. Rather than rather than Jet Two aircraft, apparently they they do have their own planes that are uh, done with the livery. Anyway, uh, there we are. Uh, story number two. It's on the Witch uh, website, witch.co.uk. So it should be uh, pretty this is reliable. exciting. Yeah, Ryanair launches a frequent flyer scheme, but at one hundred and ninety nine pounds a year, is it worth it? Uh, so Ryanair has launched a new frequent flyer scheme in a bit. I can't see Nev ever signing up for this anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's got a very cross look on his face. Uh, <laughs> so it's a low-cost carrier. Promises that flyers will be able to choose their seats and use fast-track security and priority boarding for £199 a year rather than paying for the add-ons each time they fly. The scheme was announced alongside customer care improvements, tackling compensation, wait times and name change charges. Uh, Ryanair came bottom of the annual which travel survey of airlines with passengers ranking it worst for boarding, seat comfort, food and drink and cabin environment. Uh, see our annual survey to compare the best and worst airlines. So how frequently do you need to fly? The new scheme called Ryanair Choice will allow passengers to add standard seats, priority boarding and airport airport fast track where available for £199 a year but is it worth it by using a one-way flight from Stansted to Malta in March mm. as an example you and your Malta honestly mm -hmm. uh, you have to fork out £24 for a standard seat priority boarding and airport fast track when we checked so under the new scheme, on this route, travellers would need to fly nine times before seeing any kind of serving, uh, any kind of savings. Uh, so compensation decisions, it says the airline has now announced it will handle delayed compensation claims resulting from 
EU261 within 10 days. Ryanair previously used airline resolution dispute handler Aviation ADR to deal with complaints. In the first quarter of 2018, Aviation ADR received more than 2,400 flight delay and cancellation complaints about Ryanair. In the same period, just 282 passengers were awarded compensation and 98 were told they were entitled to nothing, meaning thousands were still waiting for a decision, which the travel editor Rory Boland said the EU261 announcement is welcome if it proves accurate. But as we have reported on before, Ryanair regularly flouts the rules on EU261. There is little point uh, them making a decision in 10 days. Now, I have to say, this, these, these schemes, these flyer schemes and stuff, I mean, as you pointed out there in that, in that story, mm. these are all right if you're travelling lots in the course of a year on business or something or you're making yep. frequent trips yep. frequent trips all the time in Europe but if you're only going to have two or three holidays a year it's not really worth it well it's not worth it I mean I, but as I mean, to be fair there are a lot of people who use Ryanair because it's a cheap way of getting mm. getting about I mean there are a lot of business people I mean Nev obviously good lord no but uh, it's uh, <laughs> you know there are a lot of people who don't use, who do use Ryanair literally to commute to places in Europe in order to be able to do business so mm. I suppose I mean well as it sort of says in this example here I mean if you're flying what you need to basically do that you know do more than let's say Nine, ten, 10 regular trips, trips yeah. essentially to, to, to make it worthwhile uh, I mean, uh, the the article does carry on saying about name changes and cancellations, among other changes. Ryanair said it will double the period after booking, during which passengers uh, can make a free name change if, for example, they notice an error within the spelling of their name. Uh, the window has extended to 48 hours, up from 24. Online chat service um, from June, the airline will extend the hours of its online customer support service to 24 hours a day, which says it will connect passengers in just two minutes. Um, so... I mean, really, Nev, are you in? Are you in a? Uh, you're in a frequent flyer program. <laughs> oh yes, of course he is. <laughs> of course, that's a silly. <laughs> but, uh, but with that program, is the, it a chargeable one? Uh, no, it's not. No. Ah, um, okay. The only thing I would say is that I've connected my American, my British Airways American Express card to it, so I get lots more points. But it does cost me, funnily enough, 195 pounds a year. To really have the pleasure okay. of doing that so but if i hadn't got the american express card then there's there's no charge for joining the the regular avios program which is what british airways is okay armando but, are you uh, a, a frequent flyer program chap i am yeah i don't i don't pay for it but like nev i have it linked to one of my credit cards and so i i'm a american airlines uh frequent flyer but it's only like 50 dollars a year or something like that for that credit card but then, as, but but I mean, presumably, Nev. Obviously, the the benefits that you get are, are on that particular scheme are obviously going to be far greater than than essentially what Ryanair. I mean, Ryanair are basically just offering sort of basically speedy boarding, aren't they? I mean, that's essentially what they're doing. So you, yeah, yeah, they they've not really sort of pushed the boat out. Too no, they much haven't. That's I don't yeah, think. it's only like um, eight but, pounds, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think they were saying it was, yeah. I think if you wanted to, for the better, it would cost you, so again, so we're saying Stansa to Malta in March, it would cost you 24 quid um, to, to put, if you were going to have those. So it was uh, standard seats, priority boarding, and airport fast track, that would normally cost you 24 pounds. And that's the example it's giving. You've basically got to do nine trips in order for it to uh, be, essentially be considered uh, worthwhile. Um, but I mean, uh, how, how does that compare? So, I mean, what perks, if you don't mind me asking, Nev, what, what perks would you? 
do you get as a, a BA Avios slash well, American uh, Express? With, yeah, I mean, that, that does give you priority in terms of seat selection. Um, you can get free seat selection. You get extra points um, when you're using your American Express card when you're purchasing mm -hmm. on BA. And of course, uh, I've obviously uh, use my american express for you know filling up the car with fuel and yeah. all sorts of other things and hotels so that helps too but when you buy uh, ba products with it you do get a lot more um but but now as i say when i first took out the card it was 150 pounds a year now it's 195 pounds a year mm -hmm. so um you've got to say to yourself is it really worth it and for me because the traveling i do it is just yes. about yeah. yes okay i mean you do a lot of flying and obviously amondo you're in exactly the same boat how does the, how does that the american sort of compare to to the deal that, that nev is getting with frequent flying yeah it's about the same it's you know you get free upgrades and you get uh, priority boarding and you can get changes uh, i think it's worth it for me especially doing a lot of international travel but i'm i'm usually flying for business which kind of takes me back to ryanair if if you're flying for business that much, well, your company will probably pay the eight pounds for you to yeah, fly true. ticket priority. So I don't know. I don't know who's going to pay 200 yeah. pounds. Maybe a few people. But. Maybe that's what they're counting on. Um, <laughs> you know, hey, that's 200 pounds that they didn't have before. So Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a, the toilet or something that they can now afford to clean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't cost Ryanair anything extra. Yes, so. exactly, exactly. So moving on to the next story, and Nev, a, uh, a really good story here from CNN Travel about uh, this amazing livery. It is, and it's been a social media explosion this hasn't week, it hasn't just, it? Yeah. Every uh, outlet has been showing it. And uh, as Carlos says, it's on the CNN.com website, and it says that among the usual traffic taking off at London's Heathrow Airport on Tuesday morning was an eye-catching blast from the past, a retro-painted British Airways Boeing 747. Uh, the 747, adorned in livery used between 1964 and 1974, I departed for New York's JFK Airport as part of celebrations marking the airline's centenary. The plane was stripped of its modern-day livery at Dublin Airport earlier this month before being painted in the vintage British Overseas Airways Corporation design, which was a predecessor to British Airways. Large crowds turned out at Heathrow on Monday to welcome the plane, decked out in livery not seen for four decades. The plane will keep flying in its retro BOAC designed until 2023, British Airways said in a statement. Tuesday's flight retraces the first route of a Boeing 747 took in BOAC colours. Enthusiasts can continue to follow the plane's routes across the world using the flight radar tracker, which will feature a special icon uh, of the uh, livery. The enormous interest we've had in this project demonstrates the attachment many people have to British Airways history, says the airline CEO Alex Cruz in a statement. In our centenary year, it's a pleasure to be celebrating our past while also looking to the future, he added. As part of the celebrations, uh, last year, BA took a look back at its 1,200-strong collection of eye-catching vintage posters. The historic hoard has been compiled in a book, British Airways 100 Years of Aviation Posters, published by Amberley Books in association with BA, and charting changing travel and advertising trends over the past century. The book itself is the brainchild of Paul Jarvis, former 
former assistant company secretary at British Airways and now curator of the BA Heritage Collection. Many of the posters in the book are creations of British Airways predecessors, such as Imperial, uh, Imperial Airlines, BOAC and BEA. British Airways, the company we know today, began operating in the 1970s when BOAC and BEA merged. And BA is not the only airline celebrating in 2019. Uh, the Netherlands uh, airline, more com uh, which is uh, KLM, of course, and Spain's Avianca have both been in operation since 1919 and will reach their 100th anniversaries this year. Whilst Qantas's, uh, sorry, Australia's Qantas airline was founded in 1920. So uh, yeah, a lot of celebrations uh, yeah. this week. And uh, just today, uh, British Airways have revealed uh, the next oh, one yeah. off the production yes. line, which is going to be a B A, sorry, a B E A A three nineteen one hundred. So that looks yeah. going to be it looks going to be very nice indeed, isn't it? It's Actually, awesome. it's, it's worth saying. Uh, Tony in the chat room here, he said, "I may be being slightly biased." Um, uh, where are we? So I'm not sure if I'm just being patriotic, but I think that is the best retro uh, livery. I think he's uh, right. I should just say, I actually, the is. picture of yeah. those of you watching uh, um, on on the YouTube feed, actually, the picture behind us is of that very same plane arriving at Heathrow, very kindly sent to us by uh, Graham Haley of uh, Griffin Photography. I assume he was at work when he took this, or, or perhaps you know he went into work for I was, it. I was looking at this picture when you put up on the screen, Matt. Nev, do you th don't you think, right, if you take the winglets off that, and um, changed it so there were less windows on the top deck because the 100 series only had three windows each side on the top deck. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. How yes, you know how similar? Now, the only uh, you know I, I don't like to criticise BA as you know, but <gasps> what <laughs> I have to say that the the engine the low the livery on the engines it, it does look like someone just stuck them on there. Oh, really? <laughs> and I think that could have done really? slightly better, but you know, fair enough. But, uh, oh yeah! Oh, I overall, see what you mean. I mean yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'll give you that. They, they, yeah. they have done a great job, but that's just a, looks like a slight afterthought. Oh God, just forgotten something. I know. Let's just go down to um, Office World and something. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm wonder. You might remember this, but because a lot of the American carriers, I mean, uh, didn't we? Is it Cathay? Which one, is it Cathay Pacific that doesn't exist anymore? Something like that. Isn't it one of the ones that? And and um, whoever it was that sort of merged yeah. with them or whatever they, there's been quite a few uh, there's, there's quite a trend for this isn't there especially in the states for like retro yeah. liveries yeah absolutely i know piedmont ozark mohawk all those airlines kind of got absorbed by somebody bigger and uh most of the big airlines have every once in a while they'll they'll throw out a retro livery at the at the risk of sounding like an av geek, I think this airplane is beautiful. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? At the risk of sounding yeah. like an av geek, I'm on. Yeah. You're, on you're on the wrong show. What the? <laughs> terrible forum for this, but I, yeah. I sat there and watched big jets tv as they were unveiling it yes it yeah yeah i don't think you were alone there to be fair mate i don't think you were alone at all do you not just to make sure you know i wanted to make sure that um you know to keep nev nev happy but right. nev i have just checked on the old old pictures black and white photos of the the 747-100 that boac used to use oh it's the and, same livery on the end and it is the it same, is the same yeah, they, have, on they the have got it right yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, I take it all back then. But um, yes, I, I just think, well, of course, we haven't seen the livery for so long. So it's difficult yeah. to compare, it, isn't it, really? But, oh, it's uh, if you just yeah. do a, just a Google search on BOAC and then click the images, it's uh, yes, it's yeah. on there. Well, but no, it is, it is he's, correct. He's putting me under pressure, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, to try and do, do something mm. on the fly here. 
Um, you know what I what I really enjoy though is when they go back to the all polished aluminum mm, paint scheme. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. Are... Oh yeah. I used to love the American Airlines uh, livery when they had the the polished uh, aluminium uh, fuselage. It was like a mm. lightning bolt going across. Yeah. The side. yeah. Of course, uh, in November, when Carlos and I go to the Dubai Air Show, we are flying BA on a 747. Yes. I wonder whether it will be on this aircraft. Oh, I so hope. He, li he lives in I hope. So hope. Yeah. There we go. Matt's got the picture here. For those of you guys you watching, you can YouTube. make your opinion. So th this one was was it 1977? Or they something? they yeah. operated the aircraft. What was, um, what's the date on that particular picture? Uh, let me just there grab. Was one there somewhere. I will grab this little here. This will tell me exactly when they used these particular mm. types. Anyway, of I don't know if you can see that there, Nev. That's uh, that that's, was between uh, 1969 yeah. and 1974. 74, right? Sorry, so, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they, they, yes, it's, I mean it's slightly different, but I, I suppose the engines were different, weren't they? So oh yes, uh, yes. They yeah. um, the engines on these were. I think they were Pratt and Whitney on the original uh, 100 series, Nev. Mm. I think. Yes, I then, think. Then if the I'm right. Then obviously the the, uh, the current ones are uh, Rolls Royce RP211. Yes. I... Oh yeah, they were. They were Pratt and Whitney JT9Ds on there Ds, on the right, original yeah. 100 series. Yeah. That, that still now, looks good. If, if you want to sound like a now an av geek, uh, Armando, that's what you say. What 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 Nev just said. There. <laughs> <laughs> but every I, week, you guys, impress me. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what. I said this last week, Nev, but I'll say it again. Bring on the Landor. Uh, bring on the what now? Yeah, I, I'm. I can't wait to see the, the Landor on any aircraft. Actually, yeah. it would be really nice to see it. Wouldn't it? And it's, it's such a shame that the we we can't bring a TriStar oh, out of oh uh, don't the, 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 oh. the BA archive. He'll he'll, he'll need that? he'll need a moment alone if they do That's that. That's right. I've got one at home yes, on the on the shelf. He'll, he'll get fine. a nosebleed. He will. So, so yeah, yeah, let's I, go with your version. That's a lot cleaner than mine. Yeah, he'll get a nosebleed. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction yeah. now, right? I'm going to make a prediction now, guys. I reckon they're going to bring the Landor livery out on a triple seven. Ooh, do you reckon? Mm, just yep, a, that would work, wouldn't that? Just that would a, you know. Okay. Right. I've, I've, I've already. I'm, if I'm I, lost if I had to say yeah, something to... very controversial. Oh, hello. Go on. Why not? Obviously, because BA do have the A380 in the fleet. I don't think it would look good on a 380. Oh, dear. Just have to say that. <laughs> That's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving, moving on, on yeah. to the next story. And uh, Armando, uh, this one is a, a bit of a, a spy story for you. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, this one's from CollegeTimes.com. Uh, Singapore Airlines insisted Thursday that cameras on its plane's entertainment systems had been disabled after an outcry online from worried passengers who spotted the tiny lenses peering at them. Tra travelers took to Twitter and other social media to raise the alarm over cameras at the bottom of seatback screens on a number of Singapore flight carriers' newer aircraft. Just found this interesting sensor looking at me from the seat back on board of Singapore Airlines. Any expert opinion, said uh, one of the passengers. His tweet was accompanied by photos of the monitor with the embedded camera. Another passenger urged the airline in a tweet to notify all your passengers and get their consent, particularly EU residents, that you are doing this. Why, what you are doing with the, app, with the data, and how long you keep it. The airline confirmed that some of its latest in-flight entertainment center uh, systems did have fixed cameras, but assured passengers that they had been disabled. 
These cameras have been intended by the manufacturers for future developments. They've been permanently disabled on our aircraft and cannot be activated on board. We have no plans to enable or develop any features using the cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you? Yeah, that is a bit of an odd story, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Why I've are they there noticed. in the first place? Yeah. Do you know all the IFE systems I've seen on aircraft, and I've I've never seen because you'd be able to see that it's like a lot of like a laptop well i don't know though camera. because you'd be you'd be amazed how you know you can sort of very easily hide one in 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 a in a bevel or something i mean it really wouldn't be difficult yeah. to disguise disguise one you know and this is obviously something where somebody has sort of i don't know perhaps they've caught the light differently for whatever reason and then they've seen it i mean it's, i mean uh, in a securities kind of way i suppose it would be i don't know I mean, one of the things that worries me about my laptop, for example, now there was a, there was a time, sorry, Armando, I'll come back to you in a minute, but uh, the, uh, one of the things that worries my old laptop, whenever my webcam was functioning, it used to have a little light on it. So I knew, because I did have one of those virus things, actually, where the, the camera would fire up. And I don't know, who, I, I never found out where the data was being sent to, but, it, you know, it had a little light, so you knew when the camera was operating. Um, I mean, I, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if, I don't know if yours does the same, Carlos. I don't know if there's a light that comes yeah, on. Yeah, there's a little light just on yeah. the right-hand side there that comes on when it's yeah. in, in front uh, Sorry, Armando, you were going to say. Yeah. Well, no, now, now I have something to Google to see if Matt's camera, Matt's video is somewhere on the internet. Oh, good Lord, God. I, I do hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That could be, that could be terrible. No. It could be the end of a beautiful career, that could. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would have thought it was some kind of photo that, um, center, maybe a future thing that they were trying to work on where maybe the screen does an auto dim thing but possibly I but it'd be a different imagine. iris wouldn't it i mean i said just nev what were you, what were you gonna say i was just gonna say you, you might know that the job i do you know for my proper job uh, yes uh, in the in the audio visual world we do a lot of video conferencing systems for yeah. people and uh, all the manufacturers now, I mean, in the old days, we used to have to put some um, things over the front of the camera because corporate executives are so concerned about who's looking at them. Yeah. And all of the manufacturers these days, whether it's Cisco or Polycom or whatever, when you hang up a call, the camera actually uh, twists round to face the wall. So it, so it really can't actually oh, pick okay. you up. Uh, and this is actually part of the deal. Uh, because of corporate yeah. security uh, never uh, quite the fact they've got a webcam at the back of the room is academic but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah just, <laughs> indeed a minor detail yeah. just uh, mm. people are very yeah. paranoid about these sorts of things these days so uh, yeah. yes having a camera in that position on the aircraft is whether it's active or not it's probably not a good I thing can understand do. I mean uh, I guess I mean, at the long, end of the day. on long well, flights I mean, they'll be like this I mean, to be fair, you shouldn't be doing you shouldn't be do, doing something on an aircraft that isn't okay for anyone to see. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so I guess I'm saying my argument is why are you so worried about being watched, monitored by? Uh, <laughs> sorry, so Lee's message just about the livery on his tri stuff. Blah, blah blah blah. Anyway, uh, calm down, calm down. Oh dear. For those of you watching, who wish to know what the land or yeah. livery looks like, uh, and this is the issue. This this is why aeroplanes mm. aren't, shouldn't have cameras because if Carlos is on them, uh, who knows? knows what it might catch up but well i'd uh, like to think yeah. that if if the camera was watching me from the seat back entertainment system it would see me going like this out the window right yeah, yeah. well there is that yeah absolutely and yeah. i dare say most of the people watching the show would would be probably looking out the window more than staring at the ife mm. but uh, yeah. there we are so next story is uh, on the cityam.com website Ooh. and uh, 
Yeah, exciting news, really, actually, because uh, this story is regarding a airline here in the UK. So, US airline Mesa leads last-minute flyby rescue offer in a blow to Virgin. Now, we were obviously talking about Virgin giving a helping hand to flyby a few weeks oh, right. back, but it seems all that may be left. Yeah, Mesa. Sorry, Mesa. Thank you, Armando. Arizona-based airline Mesa has tabled a £65 million rescue deal for struggling airline Flybe in a dramatic move that could derail a takeover bid led by Virgin Atlantic. The rescue plan, first reported by Sky News, is also said to be supported by fund manager Batulia Capital and hedge fund Avenue Capital. In the terms of the deal, would see the group inject £65 million of new equity at roughly 4.5 pence a share, much higher than the 1p per share offer tabled by the Virgin-led consortium. Mesa's offer would also include debt facilities taking the total funding up to £120 million and is subject to Flybe rejecting Virgin's offer. Mm. The move is a dramatic last-minute intervention in a takeover saga that has sparked anger among investors. The Virgin-led group has already provided the budget airline with the first £10 million of bridging loan worth up to £20 million. But Flybe's biggest shareholder, Hosking Partners, has slammed the airline's directors for accepting the deal and threatened to challenge the bid in court. The last minute offer means Flybe must now make a decision before Friday, that's today, when the Virgin deal is set to complete. Flybe declined to comment, while Mesa could not be reached for comment. Now, Armando, who is this Mesa? Do you know anything about them at all? Yeah, so Mesa is one of the bigger regional carriers in the United States, and they fly. So this is kind of interesting because they fly as a regional for both American Airlines as American Eagle and United Express. So they kind of are already straddling a couple large carriers, and it sounds like they're they were happy where they were. But this is an interesting move, in my opinion, to to try to bid on a foreign airline. So it's interesting that mm. uh, they would try to reach overseas. That does seem strange. They got a, a big fleet. They've got 150 air, almost 150 airplanes all across the United States. Mm. What do you think, Nev? Do you think that uh, this will uh, annoy Virgin slightly? Well, obviously there was an announcement today that uh, Virgin have got you know are part of this consortium that that's that's done this deal now because uh, I, I think that's some uh, late news uh, today. Uh, this has been going on for a little while, and of course, Flybe are um, quite an important regional carrier actually in in the UK, and mm. will be a very good mm. feeder airline to any international uh, airline yeah. that uh, that turns up. Obviously, because Flybe, although they're doing regional routes, but they do have a hub at Heathrow Airport now as well. Do um, they? So, um, so that is Flybe. Uh, in fact, I think now it's the only turboprop aircraft that flies in and out of. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Heathrow. It used to be KLM's Fokker 50 back in the day, uh, but that that stopped some time ago. But, Is there uh, a small part of me that finds that quite exciting that there's still a little turbo prop that goes into <laughs> and out of Heathrow? I think it gives yeah. the. Uh, I think uh, Graham in the chat room and our good friend uh, Adam Spink that they've both uh, been talking about. Um, you know, fly B aircraft, mixing it with with the big jets, and obviously there's some speed control to think oh, about, course, and, yeah. and wake wake turbulence, and all sorts of other things. But uh, I think they've got the operation quite well 
quite nicely sorted out now. But um, in terms of the, the importance of the airline, I think it's actually quite an important airline for the international carriers uh, mm. when they want some regional connections you know, within the UK. Well, you said they're a perfect feeder, um, feeder crew um, fleet. And that may, be, that may be what they're going for, Mesa, is, hey, so there's a certain model that works in Europe that has not really caught on in the US and they may be trying to see how regional air, airlines operate in Europe and try to bring that and give them an advantage in the US. Or could or they be. could be trying to bring the US model to Europe, which will never work. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, the you next- see, You seem very sure about that, Armando. <laughs> the next story is is another very similar kind of uh, yeah, theme, actually, Matt, yeah, actually. Yeah, which, which again- this, no, one, this one actually was surprising for me yeah i was sort of, I was sort of reading ahead before before mm. um we sort of moved on uh, yeah it's uh, this is on the bloomberg uh, website uh and the headline is delta easyjet are in advanced talks for alitalia revamp which is an <laughs> that's uh, all uh, kinds of that's all kinds of there. weird going on there so delta <laughs> airlines and uk discounter easyjet are moving towards uh joining a rescue of bankrupt italian uh italian flag carrier alitalia spa or Sp is it alitalia spa or alitalia Oh, we'll just go with Alitalia then. Mm. Uh, the, the two airlines are interested in potentially teaming up to run Alitalia with Italian state railway um, Ferrovia. Jenny, Jenny, where are you? Uh, <laughs> anyway, an Italian state railway company. Uh, the company said Wednesday uh, that this particular uh, consortium is taking the lead uh, on the latest bid to revamp the Italian carrier almost two years after the airline was placed into administration for the second time in a decade. Discussions among the potential partners will focus on the definition of the main aspects of the new Alitalia plan. Uh, they said in a statement uh, easyjet confirmed on thursday talks on forming a consortium to explore options for the italian carrier's future operations i i, I presume they are still flying then is that correct so mm. is, although oh, yeah. they're sort of essentially uh, in administration they are they are still functioning yeah, is, yeah. is that because they are uh, you know uh, government backed then is that are you, you know i mean you think obviously you've had fly BMI that, that went under last week. I mean, it just seems very strange that you know normally being put into administration is the end. They're still flying, but just looking at um, their profit from uh, mm. twenty at the end of twenty seventeen. Um, ah, ah, hang on, sorry, it's answered my own question here. It says the, the clock is ticking. Keep reading the story, Smith. Uh, mm. the, the clock is ticking for Alitalia as it burns through a 900 million euro, that's $1 billion oh, wow. state loan. The airline halved its loss before certain items uh, to 154 million euros last year, according to Union UIL Transporti. Uh, now Alitalia is seeking international partners to stay afloat in a market where fares are under under pressure and industry consolidation has left it dwarfed by rivals. The Italian government stands ready to participate in establishing a new Alitalia, provided that the troubled airline's forthcoming business plan is sustainable and meets European norms. Uh, Prime Minister, uh, the Prime Minister of it, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that, uh, said in a separate statement. Giuseppe Conti. Oh, very good. Hmm. Oh, Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti. I could have said that. Okay. Never mind. Uh, anyway, the joint <laughs> approach, Italian Deputy Prime Minister uh, Luigi Mi Di Maio. 
de Mayo. Oh, I need to lie down. Is uh, scheduled should we to get meet, Jenny on the phone? Yeah, we we, de- we need Jenny on the phone uh, to meet Alitalia's unions Thursday in Rome. Uh, people who are familiar with the matter said EasyJet cautioned that there is no certainty that the talks would lead to a transaction. The Luton, England-based company, Europe's number two discount carrier, once uh, took on Alitalia in the lucrative market for uh, flights. Uh, between Rome and Milan before being repelled. Following reports in Italian media over the weekend, Delta confirmed its plan for a partnership with EasyJet. The US company said late Wednesday that it had submitted a non-binding letter of interest hmm. uh, to the train company about a consortium approach in a future Alitalia together with EasyJet. Neither airline disclosed details of their uh, possible roles in resuscitating the Italian airline. So I'm just intrigued to know what quite what um quite what it, what is in this for Delta. Um, it's a long haul market. So Delta doesn't have a big presence in the long haul market over here in Europe. Right. And what I so I think it was back in November that Delta made a single offer by themselves to buy Alitalia and it didn't pan out and then I think separately EasyJet had made a, a you know an interest in it and I I think what what they're trying to get at is EasyJet would get the short haul airplanes and right. Delta would get the long haul. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. So it's sort of like, you know, sort of interest, if you like, for, for both parties and they can, they can pick the bones out of yeah. the bits that they're interested it's in. Like, it's like Alitalia yeah. is, a, is, a, is a pork chop and, you know, uh, uh, EasyJet, EasyJet want the, the, the sort of the rind, the fat, and Delta want the, the actual meat. That is the most horrendous analogy <laughs> I've ever heard of. Nev, please rescue this story, would you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay. I, I, of all the analogies you could have gone with, just pork chop, right? Okay. okay. Sorry, it's what we had to say. Right, well, yeah, I know, but <laughs> wow. Okay, and on that bombshell, I think we should move on to another story. Uh, Nev, what have you got for us? Sometimes we need to find the right person to read these stories. I am not the right person to read this story. Oh. And if only we had Cap- <laughs> Captain Al on the show, uh, you'll, you'll see why in a minute. But it's on the simpleflying.com website. It says that British Airways sent some passengers to spend the night in a brothel. Uh, after oh! The flights got, got oh, wow. cancelled. Uh, other passengers had to spend the night at the airport because BA said that there were no hotel rooms available. Right. So what are the details? Well, last Wednesday, February the 13th, BA cancelled two flights which were departing from St. Lucia. The first one, BA 2159 from St. Lucia to Grenada, uh, was supposed to depart at 4pm and arrive at 4.50pm. The second one, BA 2158, was scheduled to depart St. Lucia at 8.45pm. The flight was bound for London Gatwick, but it was delayed a few times before British Airways decided to cancel it. It is not clear why the flights got cancelled, but we do know, however, however, that the cancellations left numerous passengers stranded at the airport. The crew and some passengers were put up in hotels by British Airways. Other passengers did not get that lucky, though. Some of them were sent to an accommodation that turned out to be a brothel, whilst others were forced to spend the night at the airport sleeping on the floor. This group reportedly included several seniors in their 70s and a single female passenger. British Airways claimed that there were no rooms available, but apparently all hotels were booked out due to a cricket tournament that had attracted many visitors. Even worse, no 
uh, representative from, from BA were available at the airport to assist the passengers or provide updates regarding <laughs> flights. Mm. Uh, BA did communicate with the passengers via Twitter, though, so that's okay. Well, indeed. Uh, except perhaps the, the, the seniors, which didn't have Twitter, possibly. Uh, the passengers were finally able, able to depart St. Lucia ne the next day, about 24 hours after their originally scheduled departure. So what did the passengers say? Well, several passengers did share their experience on Twitter. A female passenger posted the following. No rooms in hotels. I am left at airport. It is 0136 local time. I am frightened. No BA rep. The crew are tucked up safely. Have been awake over 24 hours. Please help. Another passenger shared at least 20 people sleeping in the terminal at the airport in St. Lucia following a cancellation of British Airways BA 2158 and 2159. No information about food, water, or onward travel. Not a single public announcement since the flight was cancelled. Local staff left trying to help. Um, overall, then, the flight cancellations happened for, for a variety of reasons, but it appears that British Airways did not have a good handle on this situation, according to this article. Uh, the airline stated it provided hotel rooms for most of the passengers. It also mentioned that it allowed passengers to stay at the business class lounge at the airport and gave them food and drinks as well as bedding to stay comfortable. It's not clear why the passengers were not aware of these offerings and why they ended up sleeping on the floor in the terminal building. Nonetheless, Based on passenger accounts, there was a serious lack of communication between the airline and the stranded passengers. Hopefully, BA will learn from this experience and communicate more effectively with the passengers next time one of its flights gets cancelled. Uh, well, do you remember, if you ever get stuck in this sort of situation, uh, you have to be put up in a hotel or, or other facility, as they were. <coughs> um, you have to provide receipts. Yeah. Uh, be quite interesting to provide receipts from from some of those facilities, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, indeed, some of them. Yes, indeed. Yes. According to Neil Lamborn, they uh, they got a TripAdvisor five star. Nev. Uh, right. Yes. Oh, well, there you go. Actually, while we're on the subject of Mr. Landwall, uh, one of the other things he said was, "Were the flights booked by Ron Jeremy?" Uh, Jeremy. Know, Jeremy. Yeah. Sorry. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there is that. Uh, Richard Adams has suggested that perhaps that really is service with a smile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could go on. I probably shouldn't. Uh, but actually, I should just say we have uh, we have uh, some very important people in the <coughs> chat room at the moment. Uh, a certain Mrs. Carrion is in the chat ah, room at the moment. Hello, so Laura. everyone behave themselves and say nice things about Armando. <laughs> oh, you don't have to behave for her. Oh, <laughs> she's a lady. Obviously, we do. Those are the rules. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be nice. <laughs> she is the queen of my castle. Oh, oh God, I'm going to be sick now. Dear Lord. <sighs> <sighs> Where's the Patreon music when you need yeah. it? <laughs> Family show, so, please. So, Armando, the show. next story yeah. then is uh, is for you. And, um, yeah, take it away, Armando. <laughs> yeah, right. So, speaking of family, um, also from the Kalish Times, a pregnant woman on board a JetBlue flight delivered a baby boy Get this, 70,000 feet in the air. I beg your pardon. Can you say that number again, please? <laughs> 70,000 feet. Apparently, they either ne doubled Nev, it. Nev, did you hear that? <laughs> Apparently, somebody gave uh, no. birth at 70,000 feet in a standard yes, jet. Now, it's just a, a point of order there. Right. Uh, I think anything <laughs> above flight level... 
four five zero is probably pushing it a bit, don't, don't you? I would sincerely hope that perhaps probably. certainly there was at least oxygen on board at <laughs> that kind of altitude. So what happened here then, I wonder? <laughs> yeah. So the a story here is actually that the airline announced they would rename the aircraft Born to be Blue after the baby. Although I'm not sure if, if that means the baby was named Blue. Yeah. Um, or was the baby um, blue because of the 70,000 feet altitude? But anyway, there we are. Yeah, everybody else on the plane was. So anyway, on Friday, uh, flight 1954 was flying from Puerto Rico to Fort Lauderdale when the baby was born midair. Uh, in a gooey gesture, JetBlue shared the news on Twitter and said, with mom's okay, we'd like to rename our aircraft after the newest baby blue and our youngest customer ever. We'd like to thank the crew and medical professionals on board for their quick action under pressure and wish the new mother and son all the best. Uh, that came from JetBlue uh, corporate communications manager, Jennifer Dang. Uh, let's see, the airline also announced that there were more baby shower gifts to come, but chose to conceal the details. Oh. This got the Twitterati thinking as some were quick to predict that the, pa the baby may have won a lifetime's worth of free flights. Wow. In a similar incident, two years after a baby was born on a Jet Airways flight, the company announced that the little passenger would rele uh, receive free passes for life. So, Aww. there you go. That's, that's a nice story, but slightly, you know, there seemed to be some, what was the, what was amusing in the chat room. There was obviously some comments going on in there, or are they not safe to the, read? The, out? There were yeah. comments in the chat room. So, um, Paul Tricker has said that were they in a SR seventy one? Uh, Jonathan Warner says that they were possibly flying in a U two. Virgin Galactic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richard Adams says almost lost in space. Right. Um, yes. Absolutely. I guess not quite space, but very close. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Masha said Virgin Galactic as well. Well. While it is a great story, the, the 70,000 feet kind of ruins it. Maybe yes, absolutely. <laughs> On an aviation show especially. I mean, I've, Nev, I'm surprised your blood pressure is, is tolerable, frankly. Well, well you know, we, we keep talking about me, 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 me doing a you know, media fail segment, yes. but I, I think it would just actually overrun so much. Because right, good point. So <laughs> much There'd be no time for stories. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> good point, know, yes. Exactly. But it, it's a nice story, though, guys, and it does prove a, a point that, you know, even in a situation like this, when you're on board an aircraft, you know, you, that, that you know that there's obviously there's there was probably someone on the flight at the time who who got experience and stuff and this obviously turned out well so it's uh, turned, it's good. Out, turned out all right in the turned end out all right, yeah, yeah. yeah it's another nod to the flight attendants cabin yeah. crew are not just there to serve yeah. things yeah absolutely you just you deliver don't... babies as well well yeah apparently <laughs> yeah, absolutely so moving on to the next story, and uh, this one is on the flyingmag.com, this one is, and uh, just boosting, oh, typical, isn't that? Uh, so I'll, I'll start reading it, you shall I? Well, yeah, okay. Oh, here we go. Oh, no, it's yeah, so um, yeah. this one is uh, all about, uh, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about uh, aircraft being used as hotels, like the, uh, ah. the, the one in, I think it's in, uh, in somewhere in, in the Netherlands or Amsterdam, they've got one of these 747s as a hotel. But the headline on flyingmag.com is Boeing 747 arrives safely in hotel garden. Now, Matt will put the pictures up in a second, but this is quite awesome. I don't know if I want to. What could possibly be <laughs> as impressive as a hotel with its own Boeing 747 decked out in the company logo except being able to view that airplane from the front door. Amsterdam's Corendon Village Hotel 
added a retired KLM 747 to its uh, property a few weeks ago. When the aircraft was moved to the hotel's garden from the Amsterdam's nearby Schiphol airport, uh, the hotel plans to transform the airliner uh, into a 5D, 5D experience for visitors, moving the 160-ton airplane from Schiphol Airport say, we to the, the Ron Jeremy again. <laughs> was no small task, oh. however. <laughs> the eventual uh, uh, eventuality consumed five uh, full work days for moving company hired for the job. The Boeing was taken apart at Schiphol's airport and hoisted onto a trailer for what turned out to be a nearly eight mile journey across the airport and adjacent land crossing 17 ditches and a major highway along the way once the 747 reached the hotel it was reassembled and mounted on a steel and concrete structure built specially to hold the aircraft once the project is completed visitors will be able to walk on on over and under the aircraft and visit places that are normally not accessible to the public according to e-turbo news uh, that tour will include a chance to walk the length of the 747's nearly 100-foot wide wing. Uh, visitors will also be able to experience a journey through the history of flight. The, his the highlight of the trip uh, is the 5D experience in which they can experience flying in all its facets. And uh, Matt obviously put the picture up in there while we are doing that. And uh, I have to say, you know, if you're staying in that hotel and... Um, I'd and be more impressed if that's where they landed it rather than yeah. sort of took it apart and sort of dragged it across. The, I'd, I'd be much more impressed if it sort of got there under its own. But this is great. This is like, you know, because normally these airliners get flown out to a, a, you know, a breaking yard, yard yeah, and yeah. they get just destroyed and broken to bits. But, you know, turning it into, into uh, kind of a, a learning area as such for people is a really, really good idea. And, um, yeah, I think I need to go to one of these hotels. I really do. <laughs> Yeah, what do you think of this, Armando? Yeah, I think this is this is great. There's a, a museum that I went to outside of Heidelberg. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, called the Technik Museum in Spire, Spire, and they have a 747 that's up on a big platform and it's sort of at an angle, and it's it's so impressive to be able to just walk around a 747 with with nothing but time. And that that particular one they have stripped out. So you can see the pressure bulkheads, and you can see a lot of the the ribs inside the air. It's so amazing. I, so if they get a chance to uh, let people walk out on the wing, I think it's just amazing when you're standing on a wing of seven, uh, 747. You mm. really get to appreciate the size. That is good. Now, I'm going to have to take a trip and stay in that mm. hotel. That one, that hotel. I forget where it is. Now. I have to look that up on Google and see what it is to, mm. to stay in there. Because you've got to look at that, mate. You've got to see it because it's really cool. They've taken yeah. the entire of the interior of a 747 and turned it into a hotel. Does it rooms. appeal to you, Nev? Yes, it does. And uh, I'll probably be going on my own because uh, probably Mrs. Nev would, would be less <laughs> interested. Yes, indeed. I think Carlos would be also in the same boat there. Uh, Gemma couldn't think of anything mm. worse. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I, and I have to say, there is on, on that uh, hotel I've seen, the, the flight deck is like the like the numero uno room the, you know the best room and right. i think that's where nev and uh and mrs nev will be going i think right okay or mr or, or mr nev on his own but there's only, <laughs> <I don't laughs> anyway yeah. so that matt the uh next uh story for you is yeah. uh a bit of a, a bit of a droning story yes indeed it's sort of well uh, i think it was uh it was this in week? dubai that we had uh last week last yeah, we did, week yeah. we had uh sort of more drone sightings at, at airports uh this week uh, it's the turn of dublin cnn is the uh website 
And the headline, Drone Sighting at Dublin Airport Brings Flights to a Temporary Halt. Uh, Dublin Airport temporarily suspended all flight operations on Thursday following a confirmed sighting of a drone over the airfield. For safety reasons, we are temporarily suspending flight operations at Dublin Airport due to the confirmed sighting of a drone over the airfield. The airport sent said via its official Twitter account, adding that passengers should contact their airlines for flight updates. A pilot reported the drone sighting to the Iris Aviation Authority, uh, which operates uh, air traffic control at the airport at around about 11.30 a.m. local time, uh, 6.30 a.m. ET. Uh, I presume that doesn't mean extraterrestrial. Uh, uh, The airport said less than an hour later, the airport said that flight operations had resumed and apologised for any inconvenience. Uh, The safety and security of passengers is always our key priority, the airport said on Twitter. It is illegal to fly drones within 5 kilometres, 3.1 miles of an airport in Ireland, uh, the airport said on Thursday, adding that drones that weigh more than 1 kilogram, 2.2 pounds, must be registered with the IAA. This disruption is the latest in a series of drone sightings that have plagued airport operations across the globe. In December, drone sightings bought the United Kingdom's Gatwick. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we know all about that. But uh, yeah, that's um, it's worrying that there's yet another um, yet another drone sighting, really. that's uh, They're getting quite frequent, I think it's safe to say. Um, I mean, I know we, we touched on the subject briefly last week, I think, uh, Nev, but what a... I just I, I don't understand why there isn't something that can be done to stop them. You know, I mean, it's all radio controlled at the end of the day. There must be a way of blocking communications, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Especially now that well, there we, is. We've... Yeah, I mean, we've done some chats, haven't we, with, with people who are very experienced in this area. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, the, all the modern stuff has got the, the geo fencing, so it cannot actually get into the uh, the airspace that they're talking about. But with, like with so many things, whether you're trying to break into somebody's house or, or somebody's car or whatever it is, if, if you are determined enough to do something, you will find a way of doing it. And I suppose the only thing that I would say is that maybe some of the authorities have been a little bit on the back foot here um, because with technology as it is, events sort of overtake them quite often. And it must be very difficult for them if you're nats or, or you know security at gatwick or heathrow whatever mm. it is to try and just mitigate all these things it must be an impossible job and you can never really get ahead of the game so they just have to mitigate what whatever they can um, but it's yeah. good to see that there's some new legislation there um, but again it will not stop the uh, the most determined of people to mm. cause disruption I don't think. That's true. Uh, just uh, incidentally, Lee says that it was a jumbo stay Stockholm seven four seven dash two hundred. Apparently, is the hotel we were trying to think of. Yes, I actually oh, have that yeah. on. I've just been doing a little little search. Have you? I have. Right. Okay. Are you booking and some accommodation now? Are you? <laughs> well, I was just looking actually for uh, obviously for 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 Nev and Mrs. Nev to go right. for a weekend okay. <laughs> and uh, stay in uh, what they what they have as the uh, the rooms. Well, the suites they have is the double bed ensuite cockpit. Right. Okay. So, okay. are you ready, Nev? Get your get your credit uh, yes, card ready. Um, so yep. for for a Saturday night, so it's just check in on the Saturday and go home on the Sunday. It'll cost you ninety seven quid. Oh, oh, That's quite that? cheap. Not not. I, th- I thought you were going to say something you know, five times yeah. the price. <laughs> yeah. No, ninety seven pound. And for those of you interested, if you go on to www 
jumbostay.com. Uh, that's the website mm, where yeah. uh, you can find the uh, Jumbo Stay, uh, the 747. And there's all different suites you can stay in, different rooms and stuff. Mm. And uh, it, looks, it looks awesome. It does look really cool. Yeah. Uh, so going back to the, to the previous story, I suspect perhaps this won't be the last time this year that we're talking about drones and airports, I suspect. But uh, there we are. Anyway, on to the next story. This one, I think, is for you, Nev. Yes, I don't know if you want to bring up some pictures. I'm, I'm on uh, it. Of this one, yeah. Matt. But uh, this is on uh, com, And you know how aviation and air, you know aircraft seats generally have not really changed that much, you know, the, the standard products? This is a really interesting development. And uh, Leia has developed a smart textile for use in Airbus's economy class seating, which would allow passengers to monitor and control their seat conditions using their phone. The seating concept called Move is designed to improve the experience of economy class on short to mid-haul flights. It's currently in the prototype stage and each chair is made up of knitted one-piece sling seat secured over a lightweight perforated composite frame. Digitally knitted from a polyester wool blend with an integrated conductive yarn, the <laughs> smart seat cover is connected to a series of sensors that detect both the passenger's body and the conditions of their chair. This includes temperature, seat tension, pressure and movement, conditions that can be monitored and controlled by passengers via their phone using Layers Move app. The Move app analyzes the data collected by the sensors and sends targeted messages to the passenger telling him how telling them how they can improve their comfort. These include prompting them to get up and move around the cabin to improve circulation, to do in-seat stretches or to stay hydrated. Users can further customize their seat conditions via the app by selecting different modes such as massage, uh -oh. mealtime or sleep. And the company says, at Layer, we believe good design should be accessible to all, says the founder, Benjamin Hubert. All too often, new concepts for flying are focused on innovation in business class. We were excited to take on this project with Airbus to find ways to improve and add value to the economy class experience for both the passenger and the airline, he continued. The smart cover also has zones of differing uh, density knit to offer different levels of support to the body. During the flight, the seat automatically adjusts itself based on the passenger's weight, size and movement by passing a current through the conductive yarn to change the seat tension. Let's hope it's not too much of a current. Uh, Layer also addresses the issue of legroom rage caused by passengers unnecessarily reclining on shorter flights by fixing the position of the seat back. Instead of reclining, passengers can keep comfy by adjusting the settings of their smart seat. In addition to enhancing the flying experience, Leia wanted to improve the sustainability of the aircraft. Both the knitted seat and its lightweight frame made from aluminium and carbon fibre significantly reduce the onboard weight, bypassing the need for unsustainable foam, uh, which is a material typically used in aircraft seating, 
and improving fuel efficiency for the aircraft. On the back seat is a central island containing the tray table, an optional uh, in-flight entertainment system, and a small pocket for storage. There is also laptop storage in between the seats, giving users a secure place to store their devices during takeoff and landing. The tray table is stowed vertically and is height adjustable. It can rotate out to provide a half-size table or can fold out to its full size, giving passengers additional knee room as desired. As the armrests are completely stirable, passengers have the option of creating a bench-like seating format when traveling as couples or in groups. Thanks to the pressure-sensitive yarn, the seat can detect if passengers have left a device or object in the pocket and will notify them after landing. Move is not the uh, only project by Leia that is tailored to the user's needs. The design studio recently teamed up with London-based eyewear brand Kite, to launch a service that take 3Ds, takes 3D scans of customer faces and then use them to produce perfectly fitting frames. Well, I'm very excited about this technology. I just hope it works because the concept of it not working will just be horrific in terms of, you know, passenger it, complaints it, and, it and more social media comment. But having said all that, I do like the look of it. And I mm. think these higher technology products in economy cars might mm. be the way forward. I, I can't help but sort of suspect perhaps it goes into great length about how to improve one's comfort, etc., etc. I can't help but feel that maybe actually if you just bought a cushion with you, that would probably help no end. It doesn't look the most comfortable. Well, they, these these <laughs> yeah. are just hammocks, aren't they? Hammocks. Essentially, they're a hammock in a chair. Right. Okay. Well, I like a hammock. I, I used to have yeah. a hammock in the, in the garden. What do you think, Armando? It's a smart hammock. I, I, all I was thinking when I, when uh, Neb was reading the story was, I like that they've they've partnered up with Airbus specifically because our our friends, uh, that fly something like a Mad Dog would have to install a third engine, just to power all of this, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, so that's true. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a lot of power and electricity and currents and. Yeah, Good point, so. actually. Good. I'll point. tell you what. There, I said, there's, sorry, a, sorry, there's an old quote that says, it's a good idea, but it's a new idea. Therefore, it must be feared and rejected. Good point. I love the idea of the seat back table being able to, to raise and lower. But how, how many times do you yeah, pull and your and seat It's always too low. It's either too low, case, too yeah. high, or doesn't come close enough. Yeah. I, mean, I think uh, Neil Lanwarn in the chat room <coughs> makes a good point. He says, oh, this sounds so annoying, being nagged by the seat all the way. Good no point. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Good point, Although, yeah. actually, uh, yeah. you, you're saying about power requirements and stuff. I mean, it's amazing uh, nowadays um, how much stuff can be done with just five volts. So, you know, I, I spoke because, I mean, you think virtually everything now can be charged using a, a standard USB cable, so sort of five mm. volts, as long as there's sort of two or three amps I, I you know I, again you can sort of you know a small amount of standard electricity if you like stepped down to five volts so perhaps it wouldn't have a great deal more impact than you than the the sort of ife that you're used to on the aircraft now auntie liz honestly oh, why, just looking at her comment right oh. is it is it family friendly ron jeremy seats oh i say ooh, oh, ooh, moving on uh, <laughs> actually neil lamwon makes uh, makes a, a not good again point. he's on fire today no, and neil, i'm scared cast your mind back <laughs> cast your mind back to the real early days of, of aviation when uh, passenger aircraft had uh, you know those rattan kind of uh, sort of seats you know the old you know like um 
mm. patio furniture yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, seats. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, this is kind of an advanced version the advanced of that, version I suppose. The same yeah. thing, yeah. There, there is that. But like Nev says, if we see these, I think it's, it'll be interesting. Right. Yes. Okay. Armando, uh, moving on to the <laughs> last story then. Yeah, so our last story is a good story. And I think not just friends of the show, but close family to the show will appreciate this one. So it is from flightglobal.com saying, Ryanair has swooped in to encourage flight personnel from collapsed BMI regional to join their, the budget carrier. The airline has already started offering rescue fares to stranded passengers on certain European routes within a couple hours of BMI regional cessation of services on 16 February. But Ryanair Chief Operations Officer Peter, is it Bellew? Um, yeah. Bellew? Uh, is seeking to recruit affected flight crew and other specialist personnel from the carrier. We have availability of jobs in the UK and throughout our network for pilots and engineers, she says, adding that the airline would be delighted to welcome applications. We have vacancies for the summer and we are able to get assessments done quite quickly next week. Ryanair operates a fleet of Boeing 737-800s, while BMI Regional's operation was based mostly on the Embraer ERJ. Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't help but feel, you know, that's very kind of them. Well, it's an option. It's yeah. like, it is an it option. Is an option. Yeah, it is an option, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I just, I don't know, if, not being funny, if you've been used to working for a nice company like BMI Regional, I don't know quite how mm. you would feel working for an organisation that doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to taking care of its staff. I think for... Yeah. for but a job is a job at the for, end of the day. For a I majority mean, yeah. of the pilots that... that you know, have lost their their jobs and stuff with the fall of BMI. You know, I think a lot of them will will probably be searching to yeah. a lot of different airlines, mm. just yeah, not um, the yeah. ones. Sorry, here. I'm being a little bit un unkind there. Yeah. As I say, it's just I suppose, you know, I'm just well, a bit, you know, because BMI Regional had a great reputation for for looking after its mm. staff. And, yeah, you know, uh, sure. So most pilots have already gone through quite a bit to get through their training. Uh, just financial sacrifice and family sacrifice. So if you get the opportunity, I, I would venture to guess that if you get the opportunity to go from an ERJ to a 737-800, get that type rating, get a couple thousand hours of 737 time, I think you're probably going to, I know yeah. I would probably make some yeah. additional sacrifices. To no, get fair that. point. Yeah, no, it, it is a good argument. Yeah, no, I, I, I take on board what you say. Yeah, good luck to everyone uh, at, uh, at BMI who is, uh, you know, Looking, searching looking, for work. Searching yeah, for work. Yeah, good luck to you. I hope you all uh, find places within the aviation mm. industry. So that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. And uh, on that note, we're going to hand things over to Armando to introduce the next very special segment on the show. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, so this is my attempt at appreciating how much work Matt and Nev do in video editing and syncing up audio. Uh, it is incredibly difficult. And thus last weekend I was down in Switzerland doing some skiing and I tried to get with uh, Pilatus Aircraft, uh, tried to get an interview with their media department, but it just didn't line up. So instead I found uh, Mr. Jan Spiker, who is the airport manager at Buox and he offered me a flight in his beach sundowner, which I think we've got some video. 
Hi guys, I'm here with Jan, who is uh, the airport manager uh, here in Buox, uh, Switzerland. And he has been gracious enough to offer me a flight via the Wingly uh, platform up through the Alps. And I think it's going to be a, just a great flight. So, Jan, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Uh, my name is Jan, working uh, since uh, 12 years here in Buox. I'm owner of this uh, nice beach uh, sand owner of the Bravo Echo Hotel Sierra and based here in Box. And uh, we try to uh, fly around the Alps. The weather today is uh, quite good and the blue sky calm, the wind is calm and um, hopefully we have uh, some yeah, good great flight. flight. So what are we going to go see? Um around this area what are some of the highlights i would depart here on, on the runway 06 and fly to the east and uh, we want to pass the gotthard the a key point in uh, in the in switzerland then uh, flying towards south and cross the nufana pass and um, maybe it's also possible to fly via the uh, jungfrau joch back to box yeah that these are all going to be great sites for me because i was here previously but i've never flown general aviation here so i'm really excited to see what the Alps uh, looks like from the air, honestly. And, and now here at the airport in Buox, uh, it's probably known as more famously for the home of Pilatus aircraft, isn't it? Yes, it's the uh, home base of Pilatus. The factory for Pilatus is here based in uh, Stans. Yeah, well, that's great, Jan. Let's uh, not dilly-dally too much and let's get up in the air. What? Oh, seven, zero degrees, three knots, barrier shut down, depart on the crash. Taking off from way 06 southbound direction, Brun, straight out. Okay, ready. Hotelotus here of departure at Burks, passing 2,200 feet, climbing, proceeding direction, Brunnen. Jan, this is beautiful. <laughs> That's a perfect day. And do you know the, the Swiss um, the Swiss uh, official knife. Yeah. The the um, factory is is here um, in the next village close to this beach. And yeah. It's a uh, Schweiz. So now you can turn uh, nine degrees to the right. On my right side is clear. Clear, right? A smile for the camera. Static information, go to talk on the Bravo Echo to Sierra. The Bravo Echo to Sierra is a Bravo Echo 2-3-4 from box to box. Service park, 5,500 feet in climb. Routing is via Gotthard, Nufene, Grimsel, back to box. Now close, on the, on the right side, it's a Rütli. It's the... In the in the history of Swiss, it the, was the found founding point of, of Switzerland. Really? Yeah. You know, I've been flying for 22 years. Yep. This is probably one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever <laughs> experienced. Now, do you have to do any special mountain yeah, uh, certification? No, in the PPL, uh, in the PPL basic, uh, basic school, you have uh, in the program 40, uh, 45 hours fly time and during this uh, training you make two um, two flights and cross the Alps okay so in, in Switzerland you almost every time able to to turn around from 
back from the from the mountain. Yeah. Okay. Fly enough high over the over these um, key points. Cross cross and cross a key point in a in a 45 degree track, so that you're able to see to the neck to the to the other part, and in case of you can turn. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Now we are now in the Ordner Reustal, it's a connection from from the uh, northern part of Switzerland to the southern part of Switzerland, that's the highway um, A2, and also the railway to the Gotthard. And now that's the next valley, so at the, our one o'clock position, it's uh, the way to Gotthard. Yeah? It uh, was an, an key point in, uh, in World War Two. Switzerland was an, um, uh, neutral, yeah. and that was the key point, that was this Gotthard, so, um, you know James Bond? Yeah, of course. Goldfinger. Was filmed? Yeah. Th was this the beginning of the movie? No, the beginning of the movie, uh, was, uh, um, the beginning was... Because uh, that's where the pieces, the Pilatus goes downhill, right? No, 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 it uh, was, um, Gold, Goldfinger, the 60... 63 oh, the original. <laughs> that uh, one uh, scene was uh, in uh, by Stanz, by the Pilatus. Yeah. It was uh, the way at the position of with the gold finger, uh, make the car in gold. So now we cross the the Alps two times. The first uh, is now from uh, the German part to the Italian part of Switzerland, uh -huh. and then from the Italian part next to the French part. And maybe we are able to see the Matterhorn from uh, from the next point. Wow. Uh -huh. Is it always this smooth? No. <laughs> no. It's it's today. It's it's a perfect uh, it's a perfect calm day. Yeah. So extra for you, my friend. This one, the peak. It's Matterhorn. Uh, the, it's the world famous. The world famous Matterhorn. So that's a glacier here. You can see the the snow here in between. It's a yeah. glacier. It's ice. Oh, on the whole year it's icy, yeah. And it's the the water for Switzerland. Drink water. Hotel of the Concordia Platz, one two thousand five hundred people sitting young for Jochen, then two crosses, I think. So now the next um, highlight of our flight is cross the Jungfrau Joch. And they uh, I will I will uh, cross on the right side of the station and you can make a picture yeah, yeah. to the station up there. Yeah, and even though we're not done yet, thank you so much. This That's is an amazing... That's the top of Europe. It's uh, one of the highest uh, highest public um, point in, uh, in, uh, in Europe. It has an, uh, rail, a railway from Buren up to the up to the top of uh, Jungfrau Joche. On the left side, on the... Yeah, so at uh, one o'clock, it's an, um, a restaurant up there. It was Mr. Um, uh, Blofeld's headquarters. here is a Schilton at uh, one one thousand feet, making a three sixty and then proceeding to Grossesheidek. Uh, behind this mountain, it's a uh, glacier. It's uh, the name is um, Gauli Gletscher, and that's a an, uh, Dakota, U.S. Dakota on on uh, on the glacier. Oh, really? In the 40s, they um, uh, flew in the in a bad weather, 
and uh, touch the glacier in a straight level flight. Yeah. Right. And it was the first rescue mission with planes with skis. Oh, wow. the, all, all the all the passengers um, alive this um, this issue, and they are um, rescued by the Swiss Air Force with Fieseler Stork, German plane, Stoll yeah. plane. We do what 2,500 or. 2,500 on the pattern, or? Uh, it's, uh, it's a higher pattern, it's 4,000 feet there, but anyway, it's, uh, after, after we cross the, the highest point here, it's Birkenstock, and this one is at the new Birkenstock Resort. Foxhauer Hotel Bravo 2310, holding point 06, after departure, right turn now to Engelberg, ready for departure. Hyperwind 010 degrees 6 knots, runway 06, clear takeoff, right turn out, report wolf is yes, sir. Clear takeoff uh, 06, right turn out, approved, reporting wolf is yes, hotel 10. Hotel 010 degrees 06, degrees 6 knots, runway 06, clear to land. Clear to land, runway 06, hotel 010. DC 24 is taxi out, huh? I wonder if they do demo flights for customers. No, it's a IBM map production test flight. Guys, I gotta tell you, that was an amazing flight. My wife would probably agree with anybody and say that I am never at a loss for words. And during that flight, I got goosebumps. It was in 20 plus years of flying, probably the most amazing views I've ever seen in my life. So Jan, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you too. It was an amazing, uh, amazing flight. Uh, now this airplane, it was great. It's a 180 horsepower airplane, right? 180 horsepower and uh, Lycoming uh, 0360. Um, standard, standard engine, yeah. Well, he's he's being humble because this airplane we took off and we're the field elevation here is about one thousand five hundred. One thousand five hundred feet, yeah. Yeah, give or take, and we climbed right up all the way up to nine thousand feet initially, and even over some of these mountains we were at what thirteen thousand feet. Almost. Thirteen thousand feet, yeah. 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 So tell me a little bit I, now. You you know the area, so you yeah. must have grown up flying here, right? Yeah. Uh, starting with my uh, flight uh, carrier in uh, close to Beale on a small grass runway. Yeah. And then um, after uh, the basic um, basic lessons, uh, I changed the airport to Zurich for more uh, complex aircraft, and then um, starting here flying. At uh, 2010 in uh, in Bourges. This it, this is an amazing place to fly for general aviation. Yeah, like so. One of the things that we discussed was uh, additional training required because there there's not a lot of emergency places to land, is there? There are uh, places uh, maybe in a valley, but um, normally, uh, yeah, the engine. If the engine is running, then uh, no issue. Yeah. The the important issue, uh, the important thing is a uh, good good weather no clouds or uh, no clouds no low, low clouds and uh, 
also the um, you must check the winds in in the yeah. ops. Yeah. Now I gotta admit, today I don't know if it could have been any smoother. <laughs> no, it was it's, it's a, a dream day. Yeah, a dream day. Yeah. Now we saw some sights, and you must are you a James Bond fan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the James Bond sights that we saw? <laughs> Uh, the the Furka for James Bond Goldfinger. Yeah. Then uh, Bits Gloria, the um, headquarter of Mr. Blofeld. Uh, yeah. It, it was and and also stands uh, with the with the scene uh, by Pilatus uh, with uh, Goldfinger. Yeah, that it was it was amazing. Yeah. And Jan's been a and not just an excellent pilot, um, but actually a great tour guide today. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he knows this area in and out. Now, tell us a little bit about general aviation flying here at Buax. It's not a it's not the place to be for general aviation. It's uh, not our uh, business. It's uh, the, our business is uh, uh, Pilatus mm -hmm. and uh, business aircrafts like uh, and, uh, citations up to Global Express. And uh, the the um, general aviation is with small airplanes. Uh, it's uh, the base in uh, Kagisville. It's close from here. At around. Uh, 15 kilometers uh, southwest uh, of uh, of our airport here. Yeah. So we have no Afghans here. Um, expensive hangar fees. Uh, yeah. Now that was an amazing approach, by the way. The, I've I've never been anywhere where the approach on the downwind you can't see the airport, yep. but you can see a beautiful resort, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just coming right in over the river. Um, guys, I I gotta tell you, it was just an amazing flight. Um, I'm going to have to cut down the video to, to, you know, 10 minutes or so. And it's going to be so hard to do because it was just beautiful. It was just probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in general aviation. Um, so Jan, we, we actually always end the interview with one question, which is if you could fly any airplane in the world, money is no object, current, past, Future airplane, what airplane would you fly? A Beach Bonanza. A Beach Bonanza. <laughs> That's a beautiful choice. I love the Beach Bonanza too. Jan, thank you so much for the flight today. Thank you for being a gracious host and an excellent guide and, uh, and just an amazing representative for, for Switzerland, honestly, <laughs> as this goes around the world. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, so I have cool. no words. <laughs> I literally have no words. Armando, great work there. And, oh, Jan, what a lovely man, eh? What a top bloke. Yeah, he he really was, and he really impressed me. So uh, a couple of people in the chat room have mentioned Wingley. And we've talked a little bit about Wingley and where it sort of fits in. And we actually talked about it. So this was my first time using Wingley, and this was Jan's first time hosting on Wingley. So, so we actually had a good chat about it and made sure that we're staying within the bounds of, of the rules. You know, it is a cost sharing platform. He can't make money off of this. Otherwise it would be a commercial operation. But that being said, I asked him why he was using Wingley and he, he honestly just wants to share general aviation. Um, him and his wife talked about it. And, and as you can see, it's, I've been flying for a long time and it was an amazing flight. 
the most incredible scenery. I mean, it is literally the greatest scenery I've ever seen. That's what I said. Yeah, I said in the life, chat room, you know, in all the hours that I've flown in, in, in around the UK here or in East Anglia in the, in the, well, during the time I was learning to fly, you know, I'd look down and think, wow, this is amazing scenery, you know, the, the fields, East Anglia. Yeah. But that is next level. That, I mean, there's something level. quite surreal, yeah. isn't there, about sort of flying, like, literally between mountains. So you're flying, what, what's, what was the altitude roughly there? About 1,000 so feet? That, so that, that's another thing is, sure, we were, we were maybe at 1,000 feet above ground level, but we, were, we took off and went right up to 9,000, and our highest altitude was 13,000 feet. And now I had to cut this video down quite a bit. So what you didn't hear was a lot of conversation. He was very safety conscious. He had a, a Garmin watch with a cabin altimeter, okay. you know, and he, he kept asking me, hey, are you feeling all right? We're going at up to 13,000. He, he told me the time limits that we could be up, up there. And then on the descent, uh, you know, it, he was just incredibly safety conscious. And, and I think that that came because he loves what he does instead of, He's not a, trying to build time or anything. Um, so, and, and it, was just, it was just great. And some, another thing in the chat room was about emergencies. Well, you're at 13,000 feet, so that's a long time. If you can get that airplane turned around and back down the valley, that's a long time to glide. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about that. So yeah. it was just just a great experience. I, I think one of, one of the, the images that, that will sort of stay with me for, from that is and Carlos when we, we were chatting here in the studio and, and, and he was showing it to me and it's like literally your, your tri I don't know what your, your altitude was then when, where you were flying but the, the mountains were taller than you Oh yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. some. That's such a surreal sort of thing. So you're clearly quite high up, but the mountains were still taller well, than still you. Above us, yeah. I mean, yeah. just amazing. I mean, what Nev? Any anything to to add to that? I mean, just yeah, I'd I'd like uh, double the number of engines. I, I think <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> one one not uh, quite cutting it for you, Nev. <laughs> no, indeed. but uh, no. What 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 a what a great video, Armando. Mm. And uh, no, it was uh, yeah. very very spectacular to to see all that. It's the most beautiful surroundings oh, around the Swiss Alps. Yeah. Of course, yeah. when we're in uh, regular passenger aircraft, commercial jets, we 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 obviously we see some of it, but uh, we're we're way up there at uh, you know. 39,000 yeah that whatever that but, one uh, location the pits gloria uh we were we were close enough that i could see the writing on the side of the building wow. that said 007 film there that is wow. just, that's just so just cool incredible. i remember that film as well i remember that i saw that yeah. i think it's on, only on a few weeks or weekend oh, ago. It's, it's, it's on over it's yeah. on virtually every bank holiday yeah. surely but uh, so for those no, of you who those much. of you who listen yeah. to the audio show don't forget if you want to see this video do take yourselves over to uh, our PTUK youtube uh, yeah. video uh, account the, the video itself isn't actually on our youtube page but what for the you show, will though. what you will find uh, you can either watch it as part of the show uh, you will find actually that we have uh, recommended uh, YouTube channels, one of which is Captain Jeff, obviously, and the other one is Armando's, and on there you will find that video, so uh, yeah. if you want to watch it, because you know, I appreciate people who listen to the show won't necessarily want to watch the YouTube version as well, um, but uh, the, the video is available as a standalone thing, and seriously, treat yourselves, sit down with a nice cup of tea for a quarter of an hour, and just enjoy genuinely some of the greatest scenery I think I've ever seen. Thank you very much, Armando. Yeah, for your well time, done. Mate. Round of applause, Armando. Yeah, Round of applause. Thanks yeah. to Jan. Yeah.
<laughs> so up next it's the military segment so he's having a busy old show this so week, again <laughs> we are going to hand ourselves uh, a show over to armando to introduce so over to you armando yeah you guys are really throwing me into the fire in this one yeah, yeah um, come on you, yeah. you you've had your holiday period it's time to move on now yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it is it is time to move on to military so uh i'll go with nev first nev are you ready uh, I think I am for a change, yes. <laughs> well done, you. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Carlo. Uh, ready here. And the man with the buttons, Matt. <laughs> ready than I'll ever be. Let's go. So this first story is, I'm having a very emotional show. This is also near and dear to my heart. Uh, so I have been part of the Civil Air Patrol for 25 years back in the U.S. So it's the air cadets in the U.S. And this story is from the Civil Air Patrol, which is the United States Air Force Auxiliary. Uh, so this Texas wing cadet, Miss Emma Harrington, became the first Civil Air Patrol cadet to earn her private pilot certificate through the new cadet wings program part of the organization's Youth Aviation Initiative, funded by the U.S. Air Force. Ms. Harrington earned her certificate after passing her FAA private pilot practical test. It's an early birthday present. She turns 18 on Friday. Wow. She took to, the, yeah, I know, right? She first took to the skies in childhood with her father, also a pilot, an airframe and power plant mechanic, and owner of an aircraft ignition repair station. Aviation is her, in her family trained trade she explained these factors combined with a fascination with anything that flew nudged me in the right direction i was four when i started flying with my dad and i've been hooked ever since as many of us are <laughs> flying is a sensation unlike anything else i've experienced i love every aspect from rotation to the chirp of the tires on the pavement it's my happy place i love the world i love seeing the world from a different angle something many people don't ever get to experience so with this passion for flight, the Civil Air Patrol was a natural fit for Ms. Harrington. She is a Cadet Chief Master Sergeant with Texas Wings Sulphur Springs Composite Squadron. That means there's adults and uh, youth in the, in the unit. And she is on her way to becoming a Cadet Second Lieutenant. She joined the Sulphur Springs Squadron April 2017 at the age of seven, uh, 16, drawn by the commander's enthusiasm for her aviation aspirations and the fact that the unit had a Cessna 172. She had no idea that her first flight with Civil Air Patrol would lead to so many more. Orientation flights are the most important part of a cadet's journey through Civil Air Patrol, and most importantly, they are free. Wow. Uh, after taking advantage of all five orientation flights offered to cadets, Harrington attended the Shirley Martin Powered Flight Academy in Nacogdoches, Texas, one of CAP's national flight academies. An important part of cadet wings is that acceptance is based entirely on merit and motivation. Harrington said, it gives aviation crazy cadets who have the drive and the discipline to, to the chance to get their license. It's also the answer for those who cannot afford flight training, but are desperate to fly. And it's, it's a little bit longer article, but you can uh, go to civilairpatrol.news uh, and read the entire article. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. This is, just a great program and uh, 
just recently, both the national commander of Civil Air Patrol, Major General Smith, and the chief of staff of the Air Force, uh, General Goldfein, was, they were both talking about how important the air cadets and Civil Air Patrol is to developing pilots. So I think this is, I, they've invested over a million dollars into just uh, getting um, aviation enthusiasts their their licenses at a young age am i right in thinking amanda that um you know one you know she's obviously quite young but she can go straight from this into the u.s air force so absolutely she she'll have the option of either enlisting in the air force or if she uh, chooses a path to go through college and one of the commissioning sources to be a military pilot um or the 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 commercial and business aviation industry in the United States is very familiar with the Civil Air Patrol. So I think even if she chose the commercial path, this would be a great um, sort of, you know, point on her resume or her mm. CV. Mm. Oh, nice story. It is I like a that. lovely story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We should, um, you know, we should definitely uh, have kind of thing. Oh, obviously, we have the air cadets yeah, here in the we UK. Don't really, we but... don't really have anything like this, though, where it's sort no. of being essentially. I mean, this is being, as Armando was saying in the story, I mean, this is being sort of, you know, funded by the government with a view to getting more people in yeah. the air, which is, is, mm. is great. It's good. I wish I could go back 20 years. Anyway, or 30 <laughs> years. So the yeah. next one, and the next rest, story. Yeah. <laughs> on, uh, the next story is on combataircraft.keypublishing.com. Uh, and it's something that we've spoken about in the past on the show in the military segment. It's uh, headline, Big Year for Red Flag. So Nellis uh, Air Force Base is gearing up for a busy year of red flag exercises. 9-1 wraps up this week with 9-2 scheduled for March the 11th to the 22nd. And uh, 19-3 in the heat of July. Yeah, I bet it will be hot. The first of the year is limited to US, Australian and UK participants. Uh, we see units arrive at Nellis at varying levels of being prepared, comments uh, uh, Colonel Michael Mathers, 414th Combat Training Squadron Commander. By the end of uh, three weeks, units are not just capable of executing their wartime mission with confidence, they are ready for combat. It starts with unit level preparation, making sure that the unit can function as a team. It moves to package integration, which is making sure the functional teams, like strike fighters and bombers, can work together. Then we get to Reg Flag, where multi-package integration comes into play, learning how to integrate different packages, superiority strike and mobility aircraft into one mission to achieve the same goal. We're continuing to improve threat replication, how we focus on the support of commands and implementing improvements to our debrief process to make the training more effective and efficient, said Mathers. Despite the push towards synthetic training, which uh, clearly has a big part to play in modern training, the live flying element remains extremely important. This is where the air crews learn airmanship, how to deal with unexpected weather situations as they develop. Moreover, pilots want to be pilots. If uh, live flying is minimal and too much time is spent in the simulator, there's a risk that the appeal of the job is diminished. Red flag is all about the live flying. He says, I haven't been flying that long. There are things that stand out in my career. Um, his first solo flight, his first F-35 flight, and his first red flag mission. He says, I don't think I'll ever forget those things, uh, said the, the first lieutenant 
Landon Moores, a new F-35A pilot with the 388th Fighter Wing's 4th Fighter Squadron. Moores is one of a handful of young F-35A pilots who recently graduated their initial training and are currently deployed here as part of Red Flag 91. Uh, for the initial part of the first mission, he was uh, just kind of sitting there listening and nervous, and he was excited as well, he says. Then the training kicked in. Uh, for the biggest difference between this red flag and the first uh, with the F-35A two years ago is that we have a lot of pilots on their first assignment, said uh, Lieutenant Colonel Joseph Morris, 4th FS commander. Putting him alongside more experienced wingmen is what Red Flag was designed for. Captain James Rosnow flew the A-10 in four previous Red Flags, but uh, he's, he's uh, brand new to the F-35. He says he loved the A-10. Yeah, so do we all. Awesome aircraft. And its missions, it's like flying a tank. Yeah, tank buster, definitely. Uh, <laughs> like Chewbacca with chainsaw arms, he says. A very raw flying experience, Rosnow said. Obviously, the F-35 is completely different. It's more like a precision tool. And after seeing the F-35 go up against near-peer threats replicated here at Nellis Base, I'm a big believer. Now, this whole red flag um, exercise and stuff, obviously, as they go on about the live flying, I think any training, um, uh, I think you'll agree, Armando, any training that's done, military training, I think is always better done live with actual, you know, real live flying and live targets. Absolutely. When you have the imperative of safety to worry about, you know, and you can't just reset the simulator, uh, this is in incredibly challenging. The scenarios that the cadre comes up with at these exercises is very realistic to what we're seeing nowadays, but it's also realistic to what we m may see in the future. So mm -hmm. the idea that that the U.S. and our closest allies, the uh, the U.K. and Australia, are able to get out there for a couple weeks and really just work out how we work with each other, um, it, that's going to be incredibly important when like we, invaluable yeah. experience as well really for yeah. for everybody involved yeah 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 so the next story uh nev is uh no i think it's me actually it i think next yes mm. yeah. so i seem to record it is matt i went out of order yeah, yeah. yeah. It is yes. well no because i'm reading the show notes you see so absolutely so uh, uh this is on the aviation report.com and you read the show notes. I, I, I know okay. i know shocking news okay. isn't it and uh armando uh you sort of touched on this sort of briefly actually because you were trying to, to to get into the factory weren't you while you were there but the swiss yeah. government officially took delivery of the pilatus pc 24 the swiss government officially took delivery of the pilatus pc 24 ordered in 2014 on the 18th of february 2019 the brand new pc 24 super versatile jet replaces a business jet supplied by a north american manufacturer and previously used for government flights um so the president of the swiss Feder uh, confederation uh I, I don't even know how to pronounce that do you know what the the name is armando so so i don't embarrass myself no, okay, good. Uh, anyway, so he is the president of the Swiss Confederation. He took delivery of the PC-24 at a simple handover ceremony. I want to say Yuli Mara. I apologise if that's not right. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, so it was a simple handover ceremony held in Bern. The Swiss Air Force will operate the aircraft <laughs> for the Swiss government. The government jet sports a modern white-grey livery with a uh, striking Swiss cross on the tail fin, plus the word Swiss Air Force. The Air 
craft serial number is 121 indicating that it is the 21st PC24 to come off the production line the military registration is T786 I'm delighted the Swiss government opted for a Swiss product and will travel aboard uh, the PC24 the new Swiss Air Force One in future this choice sends a very important signal for our brand new business jet I'm confident that other governments will adopt the PC24 once they see the unrivaled opportunities and flexibility which it offers, commented the Pilatus chairman Oscar J. Schwenk. Uh, cost effective and versatile. The generous cabin with flat floor, flat floor offers sufficient space for eight passengers plus crew and luggage. In addition to the spacious cabin and speed, government passengers will also enjoy other benefits such as large cargo door fitted as standard and the jet's ability to use very short runways. In other words, the Swiss Federal Councillors can now fly closer to their final destination, thereby saving precious time and presumably resources on the ground, of course, because if you haven't got to have you know, sort of lots and lots of cars and things all waiting for you at the other end, you can get closer to your end point. The aircraft will be used primarily for travel within Europe. The PC-24 has a range of 2,000 nautical miles, that's 3,704 kilometres, and flies at a speed of 440 knots, that's 40 knots, sorry, which is roughly 815 kilometres per hour. The PC-24 is much less expensive to operate than jets of similar cabin size. Pilatus is proud and thanks the Swiss government for its confidence in the brand new Swiss business jet by Pilatus. The management and all employees are delighted that from now on the government will fly in typical Swiss style with the Pilatus PC24. I, mean, I quite like. There's something that I quite like about, um, you know, the the Swiss government using a Swiss built aircraft. There's something quite tidy about that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a beautiful airplane, and I don't know that there's very many uh, business jets that can do unimproved strips. So there's good view, uh, YouTube videos. Of this thing landing on dirt and gravel and still got a big old cargo door on the side. I, I can't help but feel that the only trouble with the, the Swiss Cross, it does look like it might be a, uh, an aircraft that's, that's being used to sort of, you know, medical evac rather than necessarily the Swiss government. But uh, yeah, take, yeah, Actually, but, Matt, if you want to per purchase yourself one of these, right, we, okay. always like to, we always like of to course, know how much yes, these absolutely, are. Yeah. So if you want to buy yourself one of these, Matt, uh, bus driver our, wages are amazing. For you know? our yeah, yeah. US <laughs> listeners, you can get one of these Pilatus PC-24s for around about $8.9 million, nice. uh, which in today's exchange rate for our UK listeners is around about 7.7 .7 million oh, cheapest chips. pounds yeah. yeah so uh yeah bag yourself a bargain right, bag yourself a bargain there you are you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> well done i know so so moving on to uh to the last story and nev this is a bit of a, a tearjerker awesome this, isn't it? awesome yeah. story for you to read uh, this week i think it's a lovely story this one isn't it and it's on the ap news um, and it says that uh, Tony Folds has a routine when he visits the memorial for 10 American airmen killed in World War II. First, he kisses his finger and lays it on the metal plate bearing their names. Then he sits beside the rock, laying a shaky hand on its smooth slope with the care of someone offering comfort to a loved one. As he taps the stone, Folds tells the airman about the weather and his plans for the day. It's the least he can do because Folds believes that the young Americans sacrificed their lives to save his. The pilot decided not to land his crippled plane at Endcliffe Park in the English city of Sheffield, 
to avoid a group of children on the grass. I pray for them every morning, the uh, 82-year uh, retired engineer said. It would be dead if they didn't do what they did. Uh, Tony has long dreamed of a more public uh, recognition of the sacrifice made by the crew of the B-17G Flying Fortress, nicknamed Mi Amigo. He wanted an aerial display, a, a fly-past, befitting men who fought in the sky. On Friday, he got his wish. Uh, the US and the Royal Air Force are set to honour Lieutenant John G. Kriegshauer uh, and his crew. But even that won't ease Fold's guilt. Uh, Kriegshauer, who's a 23-year-old pilot from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, was on his 15th mission on February the 22nd, 1944. On board with him were young men from every corner of America. Second Lieutenant uh, Lyle Curtis of Idaho Falls, co-pilot. Second Lieutenant John W. Humphrey of Wyoming, Illinois. Navigator, Second Lieutenant Melka Hernandez of Los Angeles. Uh, Bombardier uh, Staff Sergeant Robin, Robert Mayfield of Raymond, Illinois. Uh, radio Operator Sergeant Vito Ambrosio of Brooklyn. Waste Gunner Staff Sergeant Harry Easterbrooks of Mount uh, Valley, Kansas. Flight Engineer and Top Turret Gunner Sergeant George M. Williams of Faxon, uh, Oklahoma. Waste Gunner Sergeant Charles Tuttle of Raceland, Kentucky and ball turret gunner sergeant morris robbins of manor texas rear gunner the mission was a daring daylight raid on the olborg uh, airfield in occupied denmark a key fighter base that protected germany from allied bombers mi amigo was hitting the attack and limped back across the north sea trying to get to its base in Chelveston in england but the weather was poor when the plane broke through the clouds looking for somewhere to land it was over sheffield which was 80 miles northwest tony was almost eight years old and that day he had gathered with other children for a schoolyard brawl in Endcliffe park an oasis of green surrounded by terraced houses after five years of war, including German attacks on Sheffield steel and armament plants, the boys were accustomed to hearing planes. But the sound of this aircraft wasn't right. When it came over, one engine working, spitting oil, you could actually see daylight through the tail. That's how bad it was, Fould said. I only saw one person, no gunner, no co-pilot, no radio oper I just, operator, I just saw the pilot. Pilot circled when he saw the stretch of green and waved his arms at the kids. They waved back. Years later, Tony realised he was trying to get them to run out of the way. The plane circled three times, the last time coming in so low it was just above the house's chimneys. The pilot could have tried to land on the green, but he didn't. He turned his plane into the nearby woods, tried to rev up his only working engine and failed to gain altitude. They could have saved themselves, Fool said. I put myself in their place many a time and thought it was uh, wanting to land there where, uh, where the children were on. But so I th would think to myself, well, I'll land and hope I don't hit them. But Miyamago's pilot made another choice. The plane crashed and there were no survivors. Fultz has been racked by guilt ever since, wondering why he was blessed to go on with his life, to have children and grandchildren when the men on that plane were not. I can see anyone, I can't see anyone else doing what these lads did, giving their own lives for a foreigner, he said. 
I killed these lads. The story is incredible, isn't it? And it is. um, uh, uh, very, very emotional indeed. And mm. uh, the BBC have done some great coverage on it uh, too, they have. Uh, which uh, yeah. hopefully you've been uh, playing out as well. Yeah, um, indeed. And I must say, I, I, and I know, I mean, to be fair, uh, it was um, I, I, it was a sort of a, a chance meeting, wasn't it, between between Tony and um, a local, well, not a local reporter because he was doing BBC Breakfast News at the time, chap by the name of Dan Walker. Um, and really, I mean, you know, credit must go to Dan really there because he helped to bring the story to to the forefront to uh, to you know to help Tony literally get his fly pass. And you do worry maybe that perhaps he wouldn't have got it without without all that media interest. So I mean, I think credit must go. I mean, Dan's been very humble about his involvement uh, in trying to get this this sorted. But actually, you know, credit must go to Dan Walker for. Uh, you know, uh, sort of helping to, to, to get Tony what he so desperately deserved. I mean, what a... Um, that guilt must be... must stay with him, do you know what I mean? When you when you become older and you realise that the... Re, you know, you're trying to get everybody to get out of the way because he could have perhaps landed more safely on the on the playing field, etc. You know, it's that, just such a... just such a beautiful story, mm. isn't it? It's, um, it's nice to... Well, and, you know, I doth... Doth my cap to you, Armando, and and uh, and every, everyone sort of obviously with the American Air Force because, uh, uh, well, you guys uh, came up trumps really, I think, with this. Well, I think that's any any military force. Yeah, no fair point. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. What a lovely story to end on. Yeah, well, I must say we are lucky here in the UK where where me and Matt actually are in East Anglia here to have such a vast variety of uh, ex um, bases uh, albeit Royal yeah. Air Force and United, you know, US Air Force bases dotted in and around mm. the local area and um, although a lot of them are um, the, the actual runways the main parts of the airfields are mostly all gone now there are still some around uh, East Anglia which do have quite you know, large portions of of the original control towers yeah. and buildings, and some of them still have large sections of runway left. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's you know always does you know make mm. you feel a bit you know humble when you when you do see these um, museums. And you there's, mm. there's one not far from us here which has a control tower still in place, and you can stand there on a on a sunny day, yeah. overlooking what's left of the runway, and just yeah. imagine what things and what it was like back during the second world yeah. war when these aircraft were coming back from missions in you know in a real poor sort of state mm. with the crews indeed so that uh, yeah good good choice of stories there armando this week well done indeed well done yeah. uh, that, that last one thanks to uh, jonathan warner who yeah. sent that yeah it's really good, good stories so that is where uh, we bring the military segment to a close and we start to wrap up the show so it's been a good show tonight, guys. I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah awesome, awesome segment as uh, as from you, Armando, this week. So well done. Yeah. No. That. Thanks. Yeah, for, yeah, thanks for, for the that. Alps and thanks to Jan as well. For, yeah. For, big for, thanks for to Jan that. for that one. Uh, uh, actually, I've got a, a slightly unexpected and finally um, to to share with everyone if if uh, you would indulge. Your six me. numbers didn't come up. Uh, no. 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 Oh, sadly okay. not. No. But oh. um, I've no. been playing recently with uh, we uh, we try to innovate and in things with. Uh, uh, that and recently I've turned on YouTube. I don't know if you know, so this is apologies in advance for this. YouTube has a closed caption function that's built into. Oh no! <laughs> this is going to be a real treat for yeah. you watching. Uh, live. Has a closed caption thing now, and uh, a, a, a very good friend of mine sent me a message yesterday.
say, uh, believe it or not, uh, telling me that I needed to watch episode number 254, uh, which was the Saturday Night Is Alright episode, uh, as um, apparently there are some interesting uh, closed captions uh, involved in this one. So uh, we'll just bring it up. It's, it's all in the intro, so we'll just bring it up as the, you know, the show's here. So just watch the uh, <laughs> closed captions uh, closely Music. during this. It says music. I did try to make the text bigger, but it didn't work. So, so here we go then. Everything's all You're perfectly normal. The Plain Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts: Carla Stemmings, Matt Smith, and Neville Bounds. Just pause. That's it. So, pause that, so there we are. <laughs> There we are for everyone. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to the Plain Talking UK <laughs> podcast your hosts, Colour Stebbings, Matt Smith, and <laughs> Nipple Bounds. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, dear. I've been called many things over the years, but uh, that's probably going <laughs> to that's, that's, that's be a new one. I have to say, we played because yes. I did I did run this past Nev before um, we actually did it, and uh, <laughs> I have to say, I've never seen a reaction like it from Mrs. Nev, who I think was actually, she had to leave the room, she was going to wet herself, I think, at one yeah. point there. But, uh, Neil, Neil Lamorne's <laughs> lost his coffee. Has he? Yeah. <laughs> right, okay, sorry about that. Yes, so uh, thank you very much to, uh, to, to, to the person that sent that in so there we are so well, we're pleased will you welcome your host sir nipple bounds uh, <laughs> i'm so, never gonna leave that i know oh, <laughs> this this so will uh, this yeah, this will become a new segment to the it show yeah, where absolutely. we're gonna put it to the to the uh to the listeners to see what faux pas they can see with well the yes indeed yeah closed caption week. competition that's it uh, you, you, so whenever you watch it in future you've got to watch it with the closed captions on and just see if you can find any any fails so uh, yes oh, I'm so sorry Nev <laughs> I just couldn't resist <laughs> I'm right. so sorry <laughs> never mind Obviously, anyway uh, retribution uh, may not be but it will be certain right okay. oh, oh. No, there, there's a there's a there's a threat that's uh, gonna oh. leave me quite cold oh, and uh, i think uh, on that bombshell ladies and gentlemen it is the perfect way to end the show thank you very much really? to everyone that's a bit quick isn't it amanda what are you up to this week oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the perfect place to end. Yeah, I thought no. so as well, but no, apparently no. I'll, I'll drag it out. <laughs> Why have we got to drag it out? <laughs> We're two hours already. We All don't right. need to drag Armando, it out. quickly, yeah. what are you up to this week? Anything good? Uh, actually, not, not so much. I'm wrapping up my time here in uh, Germany, and I'll be headed back to the UK next week. So hopefully I'll be there in the PTUK studio in two weeks' time. Oh, Yay. fantastic. Yeah, looking Excellent. forward to that. Absolutely. And Nev, what's the plan for this week? Oh, lots of work, lots of driving, but on Thursday, uh, Matt and myself will be visiting the Broadcast Video Expo show, uh, which is at uh, the the Exhibition Centre at uh, XL at Docklands in East London. And I think it's worth mentioning, uh, if anybody wants to to join us, actually, the tickets are free, um, so you can apply uh, uh, to the BVE website and actually get yourself some tickets, but we will be in London, so if anybody is about, you can email us, it's Matt at uh, well in fact actually for this one uh, use podcast at plaintalkinguk.com that's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com because that way me and Nev will both uh, see it but yes so we're going to be in London on Thursday I think you're getting there a little earlier than me I think Nev but I sh- we, we should be sort of wandering around the XL from about sort of quarter past ten onwards 
Yes, I think so. And uh, yeah, I might bring the PTUK camera down with me Ooh. as well, just to have a, well, do some Ooh, interviews and just good. generally be a nuisance with that. No, Excellent. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. Nev's being a nuisance with his large lens. Uh, oh, sounds like <laughs> sounds like fun. I hope you guys have lots of fun yeah, there. Sure and remember that the the bin underneath your bed mat has got enough cables in. You do has not need it, any more to add to it. You can never have enough cables. That's the oh, sure. No. What about you, Carlos? What are you up to this week? Not a lot this week. I had just that little gig tomorrow night, which I'm looking forward to. Always right. love to uh, do the DJing part of my life Did on you? a weekend. Indeed. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow. And Sunday I shall be relaxing at home. Uh. And having oh, a bit of relaxing, but uh, and back to work next week as always. Oh, but uh, yeah. yeah, so Indeed. don't forget then a big thanks to everyone who's joined us on the live show tonight. A big thanks to everyone in the YouTube chat room, all the family members in there watching tonight, and also don't, not forgetting as well everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast each week. A big mm. thanks to all you guys and girls as well. So uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and we'll be back next. Uh, well, well, we'll have a chat about we'll that in a minute. About yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, don't forget, media. so it's uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com. As I say, you can either contact us all individually or uh, it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, to contact the hosts individually, put uh, our name with at plaintalkinguk.com on the end. Facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk. Uh, Twitter, our handle is at plaintalkinguk. Instagram, you'll find us under plaintalkinguk. And uh, don't forget, you can buy t-shirts from the website that's www.plaintalkinguk.com so that's where we're going to bring episode number 257 of the show to a close a big thanks to all the hosts nev armando and matt and uh, from me carlos have a great weekend and take care and stay safe everybody say goodbye bye bye yeah bye